0: Three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. B.J. Bennett here alongside Ben Troop. Glad to be with you. We'll have Kevin Thomas here with us shortly, maybe in a segment or two. But a busy show today, Ben. Obviously a ton of college football talk to get to. And really excited about uh, our guest today. We're going to talk some Miami football coming up in about 30 minutes with Hurricane legend Darren Smith, won two national titles at the U. Oh, by the way, won two Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys and played with Mario Cristobal, the new head coach, at the University of Miami. So we'll chat with Darren Smith uh, coming up in about 30 minutes. You will have troop talk today, Ben, with it being Wednesday with one of the great defensive linemen in Miami history, another Hurricane legend, Kennard Lang. You will sit down with him in the final hour of the show. Looking forward to that. Also, with news in the transfer portal on the coaching front, Chris Gordy from the Locked On SEC podcast will join us. A starting quarterback from the SEC in the transfer portal. So we'll get to that as we move through on the show. Also, Colin Lacey of the Georgia Southern Sports Network will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the recent hires announced by Georgia Southern. What is this Eagle offense going to look like under Clay Helton and Brian Ellis as the offensive coordinator? So a lot coming your way today on the show. But Ben wanted to recognize some of the all-time great players in the history of college football by uh, referencing the College Football Hall of Fame. Last night, you had the classes of 2020 with with COVID, obviously, and 2021 officially inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, There's a long list of honorees, but players from the 2020 class include Lomas Brown, Eric Crouch, Eric Dickerson, Glenn Dorsey, E.J. Henderson, the late Steve McNair, David Pollock, of course, from Georgia, players from the 2021 class include Carson Palmer, Tony Romo, one of my personal favorites, C.J. Spiller from Clemson, Darren Sproles, Al Wilson. So last night, the College Football uh, Playoff or uh, College Football Hall of Fame, I should say, was able to uh, officially induct the 2020 and 2021 honorees, and been just a a really impressive list and a couple of guys you played with.
1: Yeah, BJ, when you start talking about uh, college football royalty, you start, there's a difference in having a great season. Uh, there's a difference in having a great moment and being one of the one of the greatest to ever do it. Lomas Brown, you talk about you talk about. Uh, I think he's the twelfth uh, Florida player to ever be inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame. You know, a long line of great uh, offensive line, but he's one of the best to ever do it. Eric Crouch, who won uh, the Heisman in 2001, uh, BJ over um, over Rex Grossman, Eric Dickinson and what he meant to the SMU program, even a college. I mean, NFL Hall of Famer. As well. Glenn Dorsey. I mean, I know I know that's a sour taste in Kevin's and Kevin's heart BJ wanting to get Glenn Dorsey back in that draft, Ended up getting mad ass I think it worked out about great for both parties. EJ Henderson, man. I I I had the privilege I want to say of playing against him in 2001. Orange, in the Orange Bowl? Um, yeah. In the Orange Bowl. Uh I mean, and then obviously, you know, Steve that, man, may, may he rest in peace. I think uh BJ, when we start talking about the greatest single rushing season ever, I think Barry Sanders in that group. When you talk about the greatest season Statistically, as for a quarterback, check out, check out Steve that senior year, man. I mean, that's all I'm gonna say. But I got a chance to play with him in the pros. David Pollard, three time. Now the SEC, I, I got to call y'all out real quick. They say, oh, three time, first time, uh, first team all SEC. What about three time first time All American? Like BJ, I'm not gonna do what you think I'm gonna do. David Pollard is one of the greatest to ever do it, you know, bar none. Uh, I, blessed enough to play against him, Carson Palmer and Tony Romo and C, so, C.J. Spiller. I don't know how many people grew up uh, uh, a Reggie Bush fan. Well, y'all might want to go and check out C.J. Spiller, who is now the current running backs coach at Clemson. That's by the
0: right. way, I have a, I, I a C.J. Spiller story where I've been fortunate enough uh, throughout my career to cover a lot of great players yes. in person, and yes. man, it's always really neat when you get to watch a Lamar Jackson yes. or, or Johnny Manziel. You know, you you remember those opportunities, and I went to an ACC championship game, covered it. This is you know. 15 years ago, however long it was, it was actually in Tampa, and the ACC championship game was Georgia Tech and Clemson. Georgia Tech won the game. Uh, C.J. Spiller was named the game MVP, and I think that was just kind of a a reflection of how dynamic he was, how good he was, that he played in a game where a lot was on the line, a league championship. His team lost, and he was still named game MVP. I think he had – Four rushing touchdowns, some big plays on special teams. So you look at the players that do it all for their team. C.J. Spiller, one of the best to ever do that.
1: A, a, guy, a guy on this list, I mean, Al Wilson, uh, Tennessee. I mean, one of the great, great linebackers of Tennessee history. But Darren pros. when people talk about being an innovator, innovators, they innovate. Pioneers, they pioneer. They get trailblazers, they trailblaze. Talk about a guy in Darren pros. B.J., I mean, okay, he's not the biggest guy you've ever seen. But you put him on that field. And this is, and I'm not even talking about what he meant to the teams he played for in the National Football League. Darren Sproles, one of the greatest to ever do it. Darren Sproles is a guy that, I mean, at Kansas State, flat out got it done. Uh, you know, running the football, catching the football, special teams, and obviously, I think he, I think he uh, might be two years removed from retiring in the National Football League. But when you talk about this group, BJ, I think the, the one thing that that uh, that sets this group apart is the fact that. There is there – is, sometimes you hear somebody might have made an All-American list or an All-Conference team. You say, how did he get in – there there are no question marks on this list. Eric Crouch, when you talk about what he did in Nebraska, man, people started talking about the fact that, hey, who? Tommy Frazier was the greatest I've ever seen around that option. But then Eric Crouch came through and whoop. Eric Crouch was Johnny Manziel without throwing the football. That's the best way to describe him. Like he wasn't a thrower of the football, but you knew what he was going to do. Went out there and flooded out and got it, got it done. David Pollock what can't you say, three years, I mean three years, uh, three-time first-team All-ACC, three-time uh, three yeah, All-American. Yeah, I think he's in
0: the conversation for greatest, greatest defensive, defensive, player. SEC, yeah. uh, defensive player SEC history. And
1: uh, Steve McNair, most of these guys you're going to hear, Tennessee, Florida, Maryland, Kansas State, Alcorn State. So when you start thinking about what a guy like uh, Deion Sanders is doing right now for the HBCU circuit, what Coach Pugh is doing for South Carolina State, what – uh, you know Eddie George is doing for Tennessee State, the guy that put – some of the greatest players ever came through the NFL obviously came you know came through college, but the think about um, Steve Air McNair Mac Nine, went to Alcorn State with the third overall pick in the draft, got drafted by the Houston Oilers. I mean, I mean BJ, you know this. You expect to hear Nebraska, Florida, Florida State, Miami, third overall pick Alcorn State. That made and for those who think how good was he in the pros, Co MVP. What up, Peyton Manning? So it's not like he didn't get it done on every area, but from the 2020 class, 2021 class, congratulations to all you guys because, number one, you didn't just come through the college ranks. You was one of the greatest, and you will be enshrined forever. Shout out to everybody who made the list, and even if you were a finalist that didn't make it, congratulations to you as well. But, yeah, man, that is a that is a star-studded list, BJ. And
0: I think about David Pollock. I know you competed against him. I think about just just the moments, right, The you know, the uh, – the interception, yeah, football, that, whatever that, that, it was. That'll, that'll
1: never happen. I, 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 yeah, that'll never happen
0: again. That's one of the greatest plays ever that yes. we that we saw him make <laughs> against South Carolina. You think about? I know you talked about playing and having to block him, and just he never quit. Was always after yes. you. Was yes. always going. Uh, was a guy that would get leverage and just and just go. Uh, David Pollock, I believe, started his career out as
1: a fullback yeah. in Georgia, and then ends up being a three time first Had team like All American. Not the same, but kind of like DJ Williams at the UBJ. I think he started off at fullback. Okay. Ended up going to linebacker. Think about that. So you start off at fullback. What do you end up doing? Being a three-time first-team all uh, what, two-time, three-time defensive player of the year, first-team All-American. But to know, listen, I got to play against EJ. I got to play EJ Henderson, uh, Maryland. I got to play against David Pollock. Heard about uh, Lomas Brown. I was a player during the same time as a guy like uh, like Eric Crouch. To know. That's what I like the most about my career. It's not about what I did individually. I, was, I shared the same feel with these dudes. And when you see them, when you get to see them later on in life, they say, yeah, man, I remember you this and the third. That's the greatest thing, BJ. It's to be acknowledged by your peers. That's all you can really ask for. You don't decide how your career is viewed. Matter. You don't even decide the result. You just go out there and give the best you can. But David Pollock, when I think about what a, what a football player is, effort, talent, energy – enthusiasm, impact, he did it all. If Georgia needed to play, he made one. Go back to that South Carolina game and just – I mean, BJ, we always saying who's the best athlete. is the soccer players, baseball players. Sorry, y'all not in the discussion. Ba- basketball players, the football players. Go look at what David Pollard contorted his – I don't – to this day. Yeah, it was it – was, how, how in the world can a person – I mean, I know people – I know everybody gonna say the craziest thing they ever seen might have been might have been the one-handed catch by Odell Beckham on Monday night against against Dallas. No, Odell Beckham's not even 200 pounds. Just imagine that! Imagine a 260-pound guy picking it off, contorting his body. To this day, that quarterback is like, "What? What just?" And, and the ref looked, was like, "Dude, that's a touchdown!" Not only was it a touchdown, <laughs> it was a sack slash touchdown slash pick. It is, it is a play for the ages, BJ, but shout-out to the 2020 and the 2021 College Football Hall of Fame inductees and and in, and in, a, and in a, a very, very prestigious class.
0: Yeah, some great, great football players on that list. And, uh, again, the College Football Hall of Fame able to honor the, the class of yes. 2020 and class of 2021. ESPN has announced their All-American team for this season. Some Georgia Bulldogs on the list. We'll get to that next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
2: SPN and former Georgia linebacker Jermaine Johnson, who transferred to Florida State, uh, makes it as a first team. So you had a lot of uh, Georgia players and a, and a former Georgia player making it their first team All America.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the talent in Athens is at an all time high. But then I wanted to get your thoughts on Brock Bowers because this is a guy that I don't know that the expectations back in the preseason or that this true freshman tight end is going to be your go to receiving option late in the year. It uh, seems to have just a great feel for. Uh, finding seams and coverages very athletic guy I know you and Christian did a video breakdown a couple of weeks back of him basically catching a a fly route and running away from defensive backs Uh, but for a true freshman to be out there putting up Mackey award tight numbers I know a lot of dog fans were mad he wasn't named a finalist for the award but what makes this young guy so special
1: I think he's gifted I think sometimes uh you know BJ and Kevin we 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 too often the time want to put everybody in the same category because they play the same position as a lot of guys throughout college football. You said it, BJ, he's doing this as a true freshman. Most guys, it take him a year, two years. Sometimes for me, four years, to pick up the college football game, the game, the terminology, the speed. Just understanding how, you know, get getting open, getting open in the getting open in college football is a science to it. It's more than just that he's fast and he's quick. They put him in a position to catch the ball in the open field to show off his athleticism. I go back to Darnell Washington, right? During that on the goal line, they're like, hey, man, why would they throw it right now? Well, you can't coach 6'6"? Six, six. Total is, what, six feet? But the thing about Brock Bowers is we talk, about, we talk about people's significance to their team. BJ, I know me and you want to go back to – we always go back to the notion of uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, right, uh, versus a Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup plays in the slot. But it's effectiveness. How effective are you? This is how I look at Effectiveness. Yards per catch, touchdowns. People say because we coach, we, we talked to, we talked to Sean Quinn, who's now with uh, Virginia Tech, former uh, former uh, former Savannah State our head coach. He said, "If you're not affecting the, uh, the scoreboard, I mean, that's a bunch of yards." Brock Bowers has has double digit touchdowns. Brock Bowles, they knew going into the SEC championship game, we gotta stop him. Couldn't do it. So what makes him special is man, I mean, he has gifts. You can't you can't coach for for speed. You can't coach. You can't coach uh, being special with the ball in your hand. That t- that uh, that catch that he had to, to extend that drive. He he is draped with with three or four uh, Atlanta. I mean uh, Alabama Crimson Tide defenders around him. He still caught it, and he understands what he means to the offense. The hardest thing to do in college football is to one. Uh, you know, carve out a role for yourself and excel in it. He, he's done both. I've carved out a role for myself because all three tight ends play. He is not a blocker by no strength. And, Kevin, you know this too. And nobody's oh, Brock Powers is a, is a mauler. No one cares if a tight end is a mauler as a blocker because if he's third and sixth, and he can't catch it, you're going to ask, oh, dude, what? You know, the same thing we applaud you for, we also come back and give you some criticism for But Brock Bowers, I mean, did I say if you SEC defense, <clears throat> uh, you know, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, LSU, you're going to have to deal with this young man for years to come because he's this good as a true freshman. I just hope he never, ever gets injured, man. I love, I love what he's doing, regardless if he's wearing the red and black. Shout out to Brock Bowers, man, Find a way to get it done in a very, very crowded uh, – because when you say All-America, that's every tight end in college football, not just the SEC. Shout out to that young man.
0: Well, Kevin, there are a couple of things, Ben, that you mentioned that, that stand out to me about Bowers, okay? Not only is he Georgia's leading receiver, he's Georgia's leading receiver by a wide margin. Bowers has 47 receptions on the year. The number two receiver for Georgia, uh, 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 Lab McConkie, has, has 28. So you have almost 20 more receptions than anybody else on the roster. And I think the two stats that you referenced, Ben, are two that stand out to me as well. I love the catches. I love the yards. But what are you doing when the football is in your hands? And what are you doing in the red zone? And right now, Brock Bowers is averaging 16.8 yards per catch. That is absurd. I mean, if you don't have a frame of reference, that's that's normally what maybe the top four or five receivers in the country average. If you can get up it's over He's not a 15, John Mackey
2: a finalist.
0: Which is hard to understand, but <laughs> if, you,
2: Nonsense.
0: if you get up over 15, certainly 16 yards per carry, you're talking about, or catch, you're talking about probably being a first-round draft pick at wide receiver, and then can you get in the zone? I know at the next level, Ben, you've talked about Kyle Pitts, and hey, for him to take that next step, you got to do it in the red zone. Brock Bowers has 11 touchdown catches. That's more than twice the number that anybody else on the roster has. So the value he has in this scheme, the trust he has with his quarterbacks, Stetson Bennett, uh, clearly Todd Munkin is designing plays to get him the ball right away. As a as a true freshman, I mean this is this is uncanny. He absolutely Kevin deserves these All American honors. Oh, certainly.
2: And again, uh, has been for for georgia what we've seen other dynamic tight ends be uh at at other places uh and that is a a, a matchup nightmare uh again uh how many times in the sec championship game uh if you're watching the game they say oh alabama's got a linebacker on him that's not going to work you know so uh you you know I, i think he's become that guy and uh what i mean obviously this year is not done but what could he do in another couple of years there in Athens where uh, he's not going to get any easier to cover? Uh, that's for sure, Ben. And uh, again, just kind of the next in line of those guys we've seen uh, that are just matchup nightmares. And they're not the quote traditional tight end where they're going to hang in and block. Kyle Pitts wasn't asked to block at Florida. Why, Why would he do that? You look at some of the other guys uh, around college that have come up, Pat Fryermuth, those guys aren't asked to block in college. They're asked to go out there and be a mismatch and catch the football. They are a receiver that happens to be a little big, maybe a little thick, likes to have a little extra biscuit with with lunch. You all, know, it's like, all <laughs> so, I'll stop it all So so, so, yes. so you know, maybe just a little bigger than your traditional wide receiver, but they can run and they can go get open and, and make plays.
1: Now, now make no mistake about this when you talk about the University of Georgia and tight ends. Now it's not like he's coming from a place that has slouches. I mean, Jarvis Johnson. You talk about you talk about Randy McMichael. You talk about Ben Wassey, You talk about Orson Charles, Leonard Pope, Arthur Lynch. I mean, it's not like Georgia hasn't had them. And I are think you trying to say Georgia's tight end? You that is not what I'm saying. Oh. I am saying that as a tight end, I am my I, I am a lover of the uh, of the position, and I'm an an admirer of the craft of BJ. I mean, listen, I'm not crazy. But listen, my mama, my, mama, my mama raised a young man with common sense. Back in 2000, people go, why why Florida over Georgia? Well, one, listen, man, my mama told me I was going to Florida too. I'm looking at the rosters. Remember, I remember uh, Randy McMichael, Jarvis Johnson, Ben Watson? That's the room. That's the tight end room. I'm supposed to leave my high school and go to Athens and go, hey, man, this, this room is nice, and never play. No, I think Brock Bowers is a manifestation of guys that came before him and what, and what tight ends have become. He is benefiting. I mean, he's not the biggest guy, but he don't got to be. And like and Kevin, like you said, if you're a linebacker saying, "Man, I mean, he don't look that big, yeah," but you got to deal with him. And he doesn't have any weaknesses. He's not catching wide sticks. He's not doing. He's not doing. Uh, you know, he's not doing uh, the Jason Witten option route. He's not there. He's out there going deep. Mm-hmm. He's 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 catching. And, and that's nothing against Jay. Witt. I think what happens is B.J. it's like you saying, B.J. If you're an offensive coordinator, you said, "I want to do a threat quarterback. I want a guy that can do both." If you, if, you, if you are Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett, they're going to say, Stetson, what are you going to remember most of your time in Georgia? Oh, my God. Which year? To my, to my, to my 2021, Brock? Well, and,
0: and, and here's a stat for people who need a frame of reference. Brock Bowers, freshman tight end, averages more yards per catch than Traylon Burks. And Burks might be the best receiver in college football on some days when he's at his best. So what, what Bowers is doing, and oh, by the way, Ben, he had 10 catches for a buck 39 and a touchdown against Bama in the SEC title game. Look, hard to kind of get a feel for what we're going to see in Georgia-Michigan, still a couple of weeks away. I know we're all still learning about Michigan, but I, this kid's got to be an X-factor, Kevin. I, I, I mean, he's got to be one of the players that is going to determine who wins that Orange Bowl at the end of the month.
2: Certainly, and again, just uh, more of the uh, the young weapons uh, that Georgia has on that uh, that football team. Of course, Jordan Davis, Nakobe Dean, I don't know if anybody was really shocked necessarily that those two guys uh, are first team All-America. Uh, I mean, they played tremendously well all season long.
0: And Dean is everywhere. I mean, uh, he's, he's he's won a number of awards. Very cool. I know you guys mentioned it yesterday. He's doing a lot of nonprofit. Uh, only, yeah, on uh, the good,
1: only good Works team, yes. Right,
0: right. Community work as well, so really proud of that. But this, this guy, I mean, not that long ago, I was watching Roquan Smith saying there's a there's a kind of instinctual speed and athleticism here and a recognition of plays that I don't know that I'm going to see too often again moving forward. And now when I see Nicobe Dean, I, I, I see a little bit of, of Roquan Smith. I know they're not the exact same player, but in terms of that immediacy, right, that ability to recognize what's happening and attack, it is blink of an eye. And, and he's a guy that can do a number of different things. He can rush the passer. Uh, he can certainly roam the middle of the field and kind of let plays come to him. He can attack at the line of scrimmage. He's an every-down linebacker. We've seen, been a higher precedent placed on linebackers at the next level. Yep. And I'm not just talking about the edge-rushing yep. guys. I'm talking about you know what you've seen with the Bucs and yep. Seattle. And yep. I, I, This is going to be a guy that gets drafted very early. He's going to play forever on Sundays. But he's a joy to watch.
1: The Kobe Dean Seaball hit ball. He's all over the field, and he doesn't come off the field. Once again, the long line, B.J., I'm not going to be sitting here. I'm, I went to the University of Florida, people. I'm not going to be sitting here going through uh, the timeline of these Georgia defensive players, but the boss bailers of the world. You know, uh, when, you talk, when you talk about the, you talk about Roquan, uh, B.J., I mean, Randy Curran. I mean, these guys have been putting them out. But the thing about N'Kobe Dean is, no, when he hits you, you go the other way. There is no – if it's third and one and he meets you in that hole, that's a business decision, but yes – what I lo- what you appreciate the most about Nicole is what you said though, uh, uh BJ, on the good works team. Understand, look, man, I got I got a platform, I got influence. Most people will not be in the position I'm in. I'm gonna use it while I have it. And if you just happen to have on a different color jersey, I do this to everybody that's on the other side of that ball. May, may God bless you if you are wearing uh, uh Michigan blue. Cause is he that good? You will get to find out, like you say, Kevin, at the end of the month.
2: Yeah, we're gonna, looking forward to that game, uh, certainly in the playoffs. We've got so much more to come here on the show. I mean, college football, just news by the minute. Who's in the transfer portal? Coaches going all over the place. Uh, and it's certainly Mario Cristobal at Miami. Uh, that deal named yesterday. When we come back, we'll talk with Darren Smith. Miami legend, uh, won uh, two Super Bowls with the Cowboys, played for the Hurricanes, won two national championships uh, there in South Florida, played with Mario Cristobal. He's going to join us when we come back. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. On this Wednesday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're with us here on 3 and Out. Mario Cristobal back In South Florida at uh, Miami, our next guest played with Mario Cristobal at uh, the U. He won two national championships uh, there in Miami, won two two Super Bowls with the Cowboys in National Football League. Linebacker uh, Darren Smith joins us here on 3 and Out. Darren, welcome to the show. How are you?
3: Hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate
2: you coming on, Mister. As a, a former Miami player, kind of uh, the, the quest that Miami is on to uh, kind of bring the U back, and Mario Cristobal, former teammate of yours, what can you tell us about Mario Cristobal and the, the fact that he's now running the ship there in Miami?
3: Well, first of all, I tell you, I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited about it. Uh, me and Mario, me and Mario came in together. And uh, so we're part of, the, in class, we're family, first of all, it is always good to have, you know, a cane a, a in, in the house running the show, but, you know, even more than that, he's accomplished uh, some great things at other programs, and I think that's what's going to help him be a better coach at Miami, being that, you know, he's had some experience at, at Miami, but he's also had head coaching experience, you know, at FIU and at, at, at schools like Oregon, and so, um, I think, you know, I'm excited about it. I know he's an old school type of guy as far as when it comes down to discipline, you know, very intense. And, you know, right now, I just think that's what University of Miami needs, a guy like him.
0: And, Darren, you could see his passion for the program in the press conference. When you play at Miami, when you win like you guys did, when you starred like you did, what what does the program mean to you and, and what do you think it means to Coach Cristobal?
3: Well, you know, man, for me, since I was, 14 years old, you know, I love University of Miami. I knew where I wanted to be, uh, you know, when I was a little kid growing up. And for me to to go there, it was just a dream come true for me. And I think Mario's the same way. You know, he's a local kid from Miami, played at at Columbus High, which is actually really close to the University of Miami. And so I I know for him it was a dream come true. He followed in the footsteps footsteps of his brother, Lou Cristobal. And so, you know, those two guys were there together. But I know this guy. You know, his passion for UM, you know, he had some uh, opportunities there. uh, Initially, as a grad assistant. Then he became uh, an actual coach there for about a week (laughs) before he went over to the University of Alabama with Lou Saban. But I think all of those things, um, you know, really give him a good perspective, you know, great experience at at great programs. He was also at, at Rutgers for a little bit. And so I think he's seen, you know, all levels of how to put programs together. You know, he's seen the, the hard work uh, in the grid like a guy like Shiano, but he's also seen uh the, the high standards, you know, at, at Alabama. But he's also seen, you know, uh the, the you know working to get quality recruits at a place like Oregon. And so I think all of that put together is gonna really make him effective at Miami.
1: Darren Florida is the breeding ground for athletes when you talk about when you talk about football, none greater than in South Florida. Mario's come out and said he wanna put a fence around South Florida and try and kind of get back, you know, to, to what had you guys uh successful from your time. How important is that to you to make sure that look, we're not letting these guys that's, you know, ten and twenty miles down the road, you know, go to other schools?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is the ultimate um that is the ultimate situation that we have to solve when you look at uh, you know, all the coaches said the same thing in the past. we got to put a fence around this area because everybody is here taking our top athletes. You look at Alabama, they get the top athlete from Florida every year. You know, I'm talking about freshmen who I started. This this been all the way since Cooper, you know, who now plays for the Cowboys. All these local kids here in South Florida, you know, and it's hard because now it's not a secret anymore. You know, recruiting is so different with social media now. Uh, guys can't hide. Schools are down here. Uh, a lot of teams uh, have good coaches. You know, good coaching relationship with the high school coaches down here. But I think that's what's going to make it different for Mario, being a guy from here, a guy who's always been at, you know, who always loved Miami. But he's always had those relationships with the coaches down here. And I think that's really what's going to help us as far as you know, getting some inroads with some of these uh, up and coming recruits as well.
2: Darren, how quickly do you think uh, he can turn this thing around? Obviously, the ACC uh, in the Coastal Division has, I think, everybody in the division has been to the ACC championship game within the last eight years uh, there in the ACC. So it seems to be pretty wide open. How quickly do you think he can get Miami turned around where they are a regular fixture and continue to get there and beyond?
3: Well, I I mean, I think you made a a great point right there. I think because the ACC is, is not you know a super strong conference right now, uh, I think it's something that can happen rather rather quickly in, you know, in the ACC. Uh, now, as far as on the national level, as far as, like, getting a playoff, um, that's going to take some time because, you, you know, you definitely got to get uh, uh, the right talent in, the, the, the type of recruit that you want for your system. I know he's still uh, working out as far as getting a coach and staff, so we, we definitely got to make sure that there are guys who can help develop guys as well. You know, you, it's one thing to have great talent but we also have to be a developer of the talent. And so, um, I, you know, I think it's, it'll it'll take a little bit of time. I'm willing to be patient with Mario because I know what he brings to the table. Um, but I think in the ACC, I, I don't think that will take as long as far as, you know, developing uh, some stress there and, and becoming at the top, you know, instead of, you know, kind of being just mid- mediocre and middle of the line, everybody chicken turns winning. winner. I like to – See, like what Clemson did for a while to kind of run the ACC, but you know, hopefully, we can do that soon. We've
0: seen a number of former players come out and share their excitement over the hire and just kind of talk about how much the program means to them. How how strong, Darren, is that fraternity of guys who played it to you, whether it was in the '80s or the '90s or 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 the '2000s, and how strong of a foundation can that be for Miami football overall?
3: Oh man, I mean, listen, we you know we have a uh, we have a little. Text line that we 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 have with all the former players. and I mean, it goes all the way back, guys from the early '80s to the younger guys in the 2000s, and, and everybody is family. And we all, I mean, we we're communicating with each other all the time, and it's just a different thing, man. It's just this 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 school is is, is truly family, and so when we see a guy like like Mario, man, who's who's one of us, it it just excites us. It it excites us because. We know he's really going to put the grind in. He's not looking for this to be a, you know, let me come here and try to, you know, get to the next job. I, I think he, I think this was his dream job, and all those other jobs kind of helped him get to this point. And so, you know, we're excited about the fact that we have somebody who wants to be here and, uh, and wants this, this team to be great, not only just from a coaching standpoint, but just from his love for the school.
1: Alumni involvement is something that the U does no matter what. You guys always come back, whether you're in the league or not, come back and work out and make sure your presence is felt and known around campus. But how much. Greater is that going to be now having a guy like Mario as the head coach, knowing that guys like yourself, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed is on the staff already. Michael Irvin is only allowed to talk about two teams, the Cowboys and the U on TV. How much <laughs> how much greater is that going to be for you, Darren? He's going to hopefully have a, a open-door policy to make sure you guys show these guys that you guys get to be a part of a legacy that's hard to live up to. Well, I,
3: I, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a, you know, with Mario. You know, even at this press conference yesterday, there was quite a few uh, former players and, and quite a few former teammates who were there, man. And, and right now, we all just want to give him support. You know, we want to be there for him and whatever whatever he may need as far as maybe like even if he wanted to come out and speak to the team or run camps where former players would come out. And do, I mean, we'll do that because we always we always do that anyway, as far as uh, you know, supporting the coaches. The guys like Bush Davis, who who was there for a while, who was family as well. You know, after at being at, at Miami that also with randy shannon you know he was one of us too you know unfortunately it didn't go as well for him but hopefully you know with this family guy we 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 you know we hoping to uh uh to to really get behind him and stand behind him and help him to, to, to change this program around
2: darren smith our guest here on a three it out darren appreciate the time thanks so much Hey, it
3: was my pleasure, guys.
2: Thanks for having me. Hey, we appreciate it. Mario Cristobal there in South Florida taking over the U, and certainly uh, in the ACC, especially in the Coastal Division, it's wide open uh, as far as who wants to step up uh, and take it. But it is a very interesting dynamic there. We have a bunch of former players, and it's easy to say, hey, we got a bunch of former players. you got a bunch of former, like, mega stars of the sport that want to be actively involved with the program to try to get it back to where it once was. Much like Florida State, I've been and I talked about this on Monday. I don't know that they're ever going to get there, but uh, certainly winning ACC championships with the U as your brand should be good enough to get you in consideration for the college football playoff. So, got to get there. But Mario Cristobal, I think this is a guy, BJ, you and I maybe talked... Nine, ten years ago, we thought at some point that's going to be a dude that's coaching the U, and here he is. Yeah, great hire. I I, I mean, I, Oregon is a tremendous
0: job. You appreciate all that's there, but if you're a guy that's from Miami who won two national championships at Miami, uh, this is – you heard Darren say it—a dream job—and you get to come home. The recruiting infrastructure is there. The program looks like, or the 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 uh, university looks like it's dedicating more resources, which kind of have to do in today's college football to the program. The energy is there. The excitement's there. This guy loves the U. Won championships at the U. And I think this is an exciting time for that program. I've said this before: college football is better when Miami's relevant and. And I think it's a program with a special history, a unique history. You know, they've always had this attitude that we can do it. I mean, Howard Schnellenberger, the late Howard Schnellenberger, when he took over the program in, I believe, 79, Miami was on the verge of just being irrelevant. They, they, they had not mattered at all. He came in and said, we're going to win a national title in five years. Well, they won it in four and you think about all the legends that have come through there i mean i think i think Cristobal is in a great place
1: yeah and the thing about it is when you hear when you hit the excitement in Darren's voice i mean the thing the one the the biggest misconception about you know our former players is we don't we don't want to see you know uh you know a teammate that I will succeed in, in, when they get that uh, top spot let's face it if you are the top, if you the, if you are the head guy at uh, at Miami and you went to Miami and you from Miami, that is a dream for you. You grew up a Miami Hurricanes fan. You had to have great success there. And like he said, he used those other jobs as a stepping stone to get to where he is taking us away from those other jobs. But I don't know if you have a better alumni than Miami, like you said, Kevin. You look at my, Michael Irvin, Ray Lewis, and we talk about some of the greatest players that ever played the game of football, not just in college, but – when you have those guys, if you're in the receiver room, Michael Irvin walk in, you're going to be quiet. Ray Lewis walk in the linebacker room, you're going to be quiet. Ed Reed might be the greatest safety of all time. Ken Dorsey, I mean, he walks in. People don't know who he is. They say, turn the tape on. So I just, I just think that for Mario, you know, just like I know Kevin right now, the excitement is there, the influence is there, the resources there. He has more money to spend on uh, assistant coaches and, uh, and um, analysts than Alabama. Well, we give you everything you need, Mario. And right now, you could do no harm because you have not coached in one game. But 2022 is rapidly approaching, and we know when the rubber meets the road, you're going to have to find it. But I do agree with Darren. Getting back in tops of the ACC might be a lot easier than getting back to the tops of college football, but he's going to do, he gonna have to do it sooner rather than later because when you're getting $8 million a year to live in South Florida, you're going to have to get them dubs yeah. ASAP.
2: Well, that's certainly where it starts. But, uh, again, when you talk about recruiting, if you start winning in Miami – you're in a talent-rich environment to, to be able to get uh, recruits. And as we've said, uh, BJ and Ben, if you're the head coach at Miami, sure, you can recruit nationally, but you could also have a national caliber program and never go north of I-4. Like I mean, you really could and, and really bring in enough talent to win and succeed uh, in a big, big way. We've got more to come here. It's 3 and Out on this Wednesday all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. ...of Endeavor, buying up all the minor league teams. And a lot of people saying, "Was oh, is, is this Liberty Media posturing to sell the big club? We'll have to wait and see. But a lot of rules changed in minor league baseball, and they a new company coming in and buying up not just the Braves, but a couple of uh, other minor league teams out there as well.
0: Yes, I mean, at, at first glance, my thought was, this is unique. The Atlanta Braves no longer... Are are in control of? I guess they they, they, can, they
2: control the players and the contracts and who goes up and down. But everything else, no, right? It's is is no longer with the Atlanta Braves.
0: It's with a I guess a holding firm. And you mentioned there are some other uh, minor league teams, major league organizations that are involved. Uh, do you have a read on this? I mean, I know a lot of people that I've seen on Twitter, Kevin, have been like, "Yeah, I wonder if this could be part of something else." Who knows? Don't want to speculate there. But is this just a modern business move, or do you think this is, I don't know, something worth talking about for a couple of days? I mean, is this bigger news than maybe we realize it to be, or is this just a business move I, on a, on a I, Tuesday, Tuesday, whatever? I think it's
2: just a business move, also, but uh, but I think it's interesting that maybe you see some of this more where the major league teams don't own the minor league teams because you're seeing more and more things have to be done around, and I don't know if the team is still on the hook for that, uh, or if they just. Are involved with the players, but obviously minor league players are now going to have to have housing. Uh, that's part of their deal, and so does the new company who just bought it have to take care of that, or do the Braves have to take care of that? I'm I mean, just, I mean, <laughs>
0: well, my first thought, my first thought, and and you corrected me, but my first thought when I read this was. So the Braves call up Gwinnett and say, "Hey, we need you to send uh, picture X mm. over to the nope. team." And mm. then Endeavor comes in and says, "No, not today. No, that's no, not happening." No,
2: they're in charge of the the facilities, the yep. game day operations, the day to day. Hey, we're going to have a concert out here at whatever park. If we want to change the name of the park, we can do that. The Braves don't have any, anything really to do with any of that anymore.
1: At the end of the day, we, when the, it sounds like the rules of engagement have changed, like you said, Kevin. I mean, when they first got when they first got into some of these deals, like all of a sudden, this is how. This is how business is going now. Wait a minute. I got to take care of housing. Yeah. And I got to take and I got to pay. Them? Yeah. And if something it's like, so when you talk, when you think about it's all about expenses. Kevin used the term subsidiary of, of endeavors. I don't know what that means. That but what it sounds to me is a lot of, a lot is changing right now with the Braves. And I think, Kevin, it might be a good thing because it's like, look, the Braves spin a certain way. And they looking down the line yeah. saying, dude, are we going to have to change up how we spend to keep certain players starting with Fre- is Freddy? Is Freddie free? It's Fred, is Fred. if you're going to be the first of many, Kevin, to say, hey, man, we got to get rid of somebody, but we're going to have to get rid of something, maybe, to even have them. I don't know. Do I, I just
2: think, it, to me, from a major league standpoint, I don't know the complete ins and outs, but if I'm the Brave saying, or Liberty Media saying, so wait a minute, we can still go down and get a player pulled up, and we can control the flow of players, but another company basically has to worry about all the rest of it? I mean, and I assume too, you don't but, have to worry about the stadium, that's somebody else's problem, you don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff, the game day you... stuff. Talk about a sale! Liberty Media got paid for these teams. They got paid for the facilities and all that. Yeah. Right? But yeah, so, absolutely. I, mean, yeah. I don't know what they under, they did not disclose the amount of money that uh, was involved in this. I would imagine it wasn't ten dollars. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's going to be a, a significant amount of money. But again, it's it's one thing that's uh, making a little news. And you had the Rule Five draft for minor league players today. The Braves did get a uh, first baseman from the Giants in the uh, Rule Five draft, which is. Uh, pretty hard to explain but basically it's uh you make players available for other teams to, to grab as kind of like uh whatever according to rule five and the braves took a first baseman and a lot of people say oh they took a first ba-. i mean this is not a guy that's major league ready uh by any chance so uh but a lot of people reading into that they wouldn't bring freddie freeman back but you can't even negotiate with major league guys right now and this is minor leagues is still kind of business as usual uh because this is not doesn't fall under the uh collective bargaining for Major League Baseball. So minor league business is still going on, just no Major League business at all. So you can speculate all you want about Freddie. The Braves can't talk to him. So. Oh, that's, any, oh, yeah, yeah. Nor yeah, can yeah, anybody yeah, yeah. else. Go, so. yeah,
1: go, yeah, go to, go to Braves.com. you like, where are the players that? They can't even show their <laughs> face. That's the craziest thing you ever seen in your life. And yeah. People still going there, though.
2: It looks like a, uh, a, a website. <laughs> all
1: the MLB websites right now. Like it the website
2: is under construction. It yeah. looks like a website that was made in <laughs> IT 101. Construct your own website. And, uh, and go from there. we got more to get to. We'll take three right around the corner. We'll also talk a little Georgia Southern football. in. Good to have you along here, three and out, on this Wednesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you are with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We've got plenty to get to here uh, this hour. As we're talking college football uh, here on the show, Colin Lacey, Georgia Southern uh, radio network will join us. Look at all the changes that are happening there in Statesboro. A lot of new faces coming in on that coaching staff and more. Also have a little fun with the Heisman as the Heisman trophy presentation coming up this weekend uh, in New York. But first let's take three here on three and out. This has all to do with NFL quarterbacks today, fellas for, uh, for take three, Mike Tannenbaum, with ESPN, ranked the NFL quarterbacks. So this has to do with kind of his list of ranking the quarterbacks. Take one, Matt Ryan came in in 18th place. Is that
0: fair? No, that's uh, that that's hard to do. Like, if we were to sit down and even try to justify it, right? It, you get if he's not top, top eight, top ten. But I think then we were looking at the list, and Ryan Tannehill was ahead of him. And, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. I, you know, it's amazing how how quickly we've forgotten what Matt Ryan has done. And this is not a vintage year for Atlanta. We know that. But you're talking about a roster where you have significant offensive line issues. You're still working out, trying to develop a rotation of playmakers. Your running game is led by a wide receiver at this point. So I think Matt's doing the best he can do. And maybe on a list like this, you just knock Matt Ryan down if you're looking at it the through the lens of what am I doing with my team kind of in conjunction. Atlanta of course has a losing record, but I think I think Matt Ryan is still a top 10 to 12 quarterback in the league. Uh, maybe if you want to get you know really out there top 13, 14 at worst, but to put him 18th and maybe there's a metric at play here I don't know about, but to put him 18th is hard to justify. I mean, I I can't say that about a guy who the Falcons aren't losing because of him. You're not losing because of Matt Ryan. I think the only reason you're even borderline in the mix for a potential playoff spot, and you're at least out there if it were to get interesting, is because of Matt Ryan, so no. 18th best quarterback in the league, no. No. <sighs>
1: Okay, the thing, the, 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 the thing about this, these uh, these lists, this is the nonsense I be talking about. This is be clickbait. So you're telling me Matty Ice, Ryan Tannehill is over Matty Ice? In what world? What if Matty Ice had a 2,000-yard rushing? He still, Ryan Tannehill still ain't better than him. Kirk Cousins, 2,000-yard receivers, and Dalvin Cook, and, and Irv Smith, Jr., by the way, and he still ain't better than Matty Ice. Matty Ice is the second-best quarterback in his division. I mean, you look at the NFC East. What, Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott? I think Matty Ice is better right now than Jalen Hurts. Okay, so that's two divisions. So right now he's what number three. Then you start, then you start talking about you start talking about the AFC West. I get that. Patrick Mahomes, you know, I I get I get that part. Russell Wilson, I get that part. You know, Kyler Murray, I get that part. It's not too many guys better than Matty Ice, even if his numbers are down. Some of these dudes are, they, they, you know, in the world of Deion Sanders, they, all right. but they, they're not better than Matty. How many guys got uh, regular season MVPs on their resumes? I, ju- I, just think that sometimes we don't appreciate Matty Ice. But uh, what's the, what's the guy who did the list uh, again, Kevin? What's his name? Uh, uh T-
2: Tannenbaum.
1: Tannenbaum also drafted Mark Sanchez and Geno. He drafted Mark Sanchez and Geno Smith. So this is the guy who drafted Mark San, Mark, Mark Sanchez, the Butt Fumble, and Geno Smith. All I'm saying. All I'm saying is we don't appreciate it. Now I know earlier Kevin before, you know, uh, Kevin was uh, handling handling some business uh when we first came on the show, Glenn Dorsey. That's the only reason that's the only person Kevin likes more than Matty Ice. At the time he did. <laughs> I wanted Glenn. Never gonna story. He was selling it too, man. The rest of America Kevin was saying, like, "Oh my god, Falcons. Worse. That's take the quarterback. Kevin's going,
2: "No. You got to get Glenn Dorsey." And, ke- can I raise yeah. my hand? And, and, and what could the Falcons use now?
1: Oh, uh, the, the, uh, Listen, the Falcons, the Falcons needed uh, – the They use some defensive linemen. You're in justifying a, a period just saying. a dozen years ago? No,
2: I'm saying, but, yeah, and, and for a dozen straight years, we said, man, the Falcons could use some defensive linemen.
0: Glenn Dorsey's not an edge rusher. I like Glenn Dorsey. I like him a lot. I'm yeah. not going to get into this.
1: I argument. mean, to be fair, they could use anybody that could Come rush. Come on, so say it, Kevin. I mean – Edge, middle, line, anybody. Young man, How tall are you? How, can you rush the pass? Come on in here. You can do both. I mean, if you so can rush done. to the supermarket, we might be Come even. on. Kevin, don't get to Kevin to tell him the truth about the D-line play or lack thereof for them Falcons. I mean, and, and if Marlon I Marlon Davidson had a pick six. Marlon Davidson did have a pick six. The problem is he needs to rush the guy he picked the ball off of. He needs to rush him as well. I love, I love that letter How many stacks he got, BJ? Hmm. Cricket. Still got Grady. <laughs> Listen, if I see another D-lineman say vote for me for the Pro Bowl and they play for Atlanta, I'm coming up there with a a, a gallon of baby powder and y'all know what we're about to do. Line y'all up. You, Dante Fowler, you too. Look,
2: I I think going back to the question, are there 17 quarterbacks I would take over Matt Ryan? And I look at it when I'm ranking quarterbacks. I don't say, like, well, he plays for the Falcons. Okay, put him on any team. Are there 17 quarterbacks I would take before Matt Ryan? No, that's way too low. Uh, for for Matt Ryan. Now, is he having a great year? No, that's partially because he plays for the Falcons. Is he a top five? No, probably not. He's not 18, though, uh, when you're looking at it from that standpoint. Take two, Trevor Lawrence is ahead of Baker Mayfield in this rankings, but should he be?
0: No, uh, and listen, listen, I am still, obviously, goes without saying, extremely optimistic about Trevor's future. I mean, you talk about Matt Ryan having some limitations Trevor Law, I mean, the Jaguars, y'all talked about it yesterday, not using their best player, James Robinson. You had DJ Shark get hurt early out for the season. I don't know what you're doing at the tight end position, the offensive line. I, I, I don't know what Jacksonville's doing. And, and I think Trevor Lawrence is making the best of a situation that is not awesome. And you're going to be drafting near the top yet again, and we'll see if they go offensive line. I personally, looking ahead, think Evan Neal would be a great fit. Uh, If you want to help Trevor and kind of give him a starting point, the tackle from Alabama. But Baker Mayfield's been in the playoffs, man. Has he been a disappointment this season? Yes. Has he lived up consistently to the hype of being the number one overall pick? Maybe not, but I think sometimes those expectations are so unrealistic that, it, you know, unless you're Cam Newton, unless you're just a superstar right away, people are going to talk about you as this or that. I mean, I think Baker Mayfield has had a good NFL career. He has not been at his best lately, but he's gotten Cleveland into the playoffs, okay? That hasn't happened many times in a generation, and I think there's value there. I wouldn't put Baker Mayfield in the top 15 of quarterbacks in the National Football League. But just being honest, and I say this literally wearing a Jaguars hat, I don't know what Trevor Lawrence has done to be viewed as a better player right now than Baker Mayfield. Now, if you want to say our projections are that in a year, in two years, in three years, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a better player than Baker Mayfield, I'll buy that. Absolutely. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was heralded as one of the top prospects we've ever seen. And for good reason. You know, he he has all the skills you look for. But what, what, 12, 13, however many games we are into this season, we have not seen that materialize into consistent production. So, love Trevor, understand that Baker's had a disappointing season, but right now, Ben, I cannot put Trevor Lawrence ahead of Baker Mayfield.
1: BJ, I did what you I did what you normally do. I went to the numbers. Baker Mayfield on the season, 2,413 yards, 11 touchdowns, 6 picks. And he has receivers that you actually know him if you see him. Hey, what's up, Jarvis? What's what's up, Joe Ku? What's up, What's up? What's up? What's up, Higgins? What's up, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hooper and those guys? I don't know who plays the Jacksonville. I don't, I don't know who they are. Now, you talk about you talk about Trevor Lawrence. 2,369 yards, nine touchdowns, ten picks. But you gotta put it in perspective. Baker Mayfield has missed games this year because, you know, he got injured. Uh, Trevor Lawrence fought to get back on the field because he had an ankle injury. The reason why I would say Trevor Lawrence is they have given Baker Mayfield everything to running backs, a bunch of receivers, two tight ends. It's him. Baker Mayfield might be the problem in Cleveland because, B.J., Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson might be his best player. James Robinson putting the ball on the ground. So is everybody else. Okay. And, and what I'm saying is if if the it's it's like it's it's like this when you talk it's, it's like it's like this when you start talking about uh when you start talking about talent if it's if it's close I go with the young guy. So, we are just looking at I was looking, I'm looking at 2021. I'm not, I'm not giving the career achievement award. 2021. I'm I'm saying, "Hey man, if the one guy is a is a rookie, why his numbers are similar to who does Trevor Lawrence throw the ball to? LaVisca Chenault, Shaq, Hennessy?" I mean, it's 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 not even comparable, B.J., and one has to overcompensate for what he doesn't have. The other guy can't even take advantage of what the draft has given him and free agency. So, for me, I think it is Trevor Lawrence to B.J. Say this. We always do this. Switch them. Trevor Lawrence has Cleveland's uh, offensive firepower. Do you think his numbers look I hear like right now? I, I just have to give credit. To Baker got Cleveland into the playoffs. At, at the, at the, listen, at the end of the day, there are three number one overall picks right now. Well, the Cleveland Browns. Two of them play at defensive end. The other one play quarterback. And you can't even tell. Because if the quarterback ain't playing complementary football, the rest of the guys around him don't even matter. But if you got Kareem Hunt, you know, if you got Nick Chubb, if you got Jarvis Landry, if you got Austin Hooper, if you got David Njoku, and so on and so forth, and you got mediocre numbers, it might be the guy that touches the football every play. I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence.
2: Well, uh, it doesn't feel right having Trevor Lawrence ahead of Baker Mayfield. Because again, the Jags are still inept as a uh, <laughs> as a franchise, <laughs> much like the uh, the Cleveland Browns have shown to be uh, as well. I, I'm going to say no for right now, but I mean, there's definitely ground to be made up by Trevor Lawrence. I think uh, if, if he can get Jacksonville through a couple more wins and prove his numbers, certainly yes. Got to move quickly. Take three. Pat Mahomes on Mike Candenbaum's list is number two. I, I know a lot of people saying not having a statistically great season to this point, but he's ahead of Tom Brady, who's number three. Who is having the
0: better season, Pat or Tom? Yeah, I can't do that. I gotta go with Tom Brady. I mean, you go back to you go back to last year. I know Cam's in here riding for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is number one on the list, okay? But I think Tom Brady deserves to be number two. It's relative. We're talking about the difference in number two and number three. We're not saying Pat Mahomes isn't great, isn't an yeah. all-timer, isn't, you know, one of the best in the league, but he's not Tom Brady right now. What Tom Brady's doing is absurd. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And for whatever reason, Mahomes and the Chiefs have taken a slight Step back, you see that in their overall record. Right now, I would go Brady over Mahomes.
1: Well, I mean, the numbers seem to back up Tom Brady. Who leads the league in, uh, you know, uh, pass yards? That would be Tom Brady. Who leads the league in touchdown passes? That would be Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes, he gets to overcompensate for not playing within the confines of the quarterback position. Now, I know you got Kelsey and Hill and those guys, but at the end of the day, one guy's 44, leading the league in all major categories. We talk about the National Football League. Another guy has a great looking Mohawk and he'll throw the ball across his face and do things he shouldn't do. Love Patrick Mahomes, BJ. We need to stop this. Patrick Mahomes has the potential to be an all-time great. He is not mm. an all-time great yet. I'm going, I'm going to tell you why. He's well on his way, man. Oh, oh, okay, BJ. Well, I mean, well on
2: his way. You got to you got to finish the race. Yeah, all of this is well
1: if There's been, been a lot of guys yeah, who've been well he, on their he, way. No no, 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 no. No there,
0: no,
2: no. there have not been.
0: I understand. <laughs> there, there, there have not been a lot of guys who have done what he's done five years into the league or sit whatever it is.
1: No, there have not been. No. All right. I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Um, he won the, He won the MVP. His second year, when he the first time he started, he won the MVP. Won did he? And he won, He won the Super Bowl what year? Three. Year three. Ben Roethlisberger won the Super Bowl year two, right? Went to the went to the went to the AFC went to the AFC Championship year one. Ben Rosenberger has two championships. Yet they don't even talk about him in the same stratosphere as a Patrick Mahomes. I know that Patrick Mahomes is that dude. I am not saying that. But then, but listen, listen. But, you know, we ain't gonna go ahead and crown him because look at it for what it is. If he's not playing as well, it's because he's overcompensating. We'll see. If you want <laughs> <laughs> to crown him, you want to crown the crown. That's why we took the field.
2: <laughs> no, I think for right now, uh, again, for this season, Tom Brady's having a better a better go of it. But I mean, Pat Mahomes is still so great. I just think, again, when you talk about trajectory and when you say things like "well, on is on their way to be," like you got to finish the race, right? I mean, because what if Tom Brady would have stopped after Super Bowl two or like two or three? He'd have been like, is he well on his way to be? No, he's the goat because he's been to so many. I think you got to finish that race before you start crown. If you want to crown him, you got to crown. Look, I'm just saying. He is. I'm mean, again. People say like when you say this, like you, you and, think he sucks or I mean, something. He's no, like no, that's not what I'm saying. But people throw. I mean, Ben, we know this because I make a joke of it on the show. Yeah. There are so many goats we could be running a livestock yard around to tell here you in sports. I mean, Kevin, I'm telling you, doing. like how many goats are running
1: around the National Football League? I mean, right Max, now goats? there's so many goats, it's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, I mean listen, uh, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, go. Woo, yo, yo you mean, go, like, I mean Cam Newton, go. Yeah, we Matthew happen to.
2: go. We happen to be living in an amazing sports time. There are so many active goats we could have a petting. <laughs> Zoom. I'm just telling you, uh, yeah. it is true. I mean, because yes. think about what "goat" means—greatest of all time. That I means there's never been anybody better, oh. and we got like 15 there's of them. There's a difference. Right now.
0: Greatest. There's a difference in besting. I'm
1: sorry, we're not walking around going "choo choo tugboat." No, we're not doing that. We're not If He we, we'll go. goes to another Super Bowl and he wins it, he will have won two. Like who? Eli Manning, who never lost Super Bowl, by the way. And Ben Rossberger, who went to two, who went to three, and lost, and lost one. All I'm saying is, we look at we look at throwing up the football I get it. I am not taking nothing away from the man with the with the red mohawk I am not taking nothing <laughs> it away That sounds like you are cuz no. when you were describing him your your second
0: reference was the guy who throws across his body whoa, 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 <laughs> like like man, that's no, how you describe him <laughs> no, 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 no. He, he no no he don't
1: no no he don't do no look no look passes Well, he's also like an MVP and a Super Bowl champ you could I, He is a Super Bowl champ I'm I'm not taking that away but if he would have won two I mean right now you think Patrick Mahomes is a better player than uh, Aaron Rodgers See, see what I'm saying? I mean, is, is Patrick Mahomes a better player than Russell Wilson? Yes. Based off of?
0: His his production and proficiency.
2: All right. All right, so, 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 so basically the argument is you have to choose one, Ben's taking Russell Wilson. Oh, I'm, take,
1: oh, I'm, talking, I'm taking Russell Last Name Wilson all the time. Russell, Russell, <laughs> Russell Last Name Wilson did it with a bunch of no name guys at receiver <laughs> and a running game in the Legion of Boom. We've got more to
2: come here on Thrust Take Three. We do it every day. This time, Colin Lacey joins us. We're talking Georgia Southern football. When we return here on Three and Out Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
3: Hey, feeling good. What's up, Mr. Boy Peter Ward? AKA PW, Florida State Great. Hey, you listening to 3 and Out with Ben, BJ, and Kevin. Got
1: sunshine on my
2: Good to have you back here, 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. So much change going on across college football. The coaching carousel is in full swing as well. And joining us here on the program from the Georgia Southern Sports Network, Colin Lacey steps in here on 3 and Out. Colin, welcome to the show. How are you?
4: Thanks, guys. I'm good. How are y'all doing? Hey,
2: we're doing fantastic, and uh, certainly at Georgia Southern, it's uh, been fast and furious for uh, Clay Hilton. The last uh, handful of days, hiring some uh, some new coaches. What can you tell us about uh, Brian Ellis, offensive coordinator? I know uh, from Western Kentucky, a lot of offense uh, they were able to put up last year. Uh, That obviously portends that Georgia Southern is going to be flinging it around the park.
4: Yeah, and I think what you've seen from Coach Helton, it's going to be a little bit of a hybrid of what he's done at a couple of his different stops. He said from the word go that he wanted more of a 60-40 split of pass or run to pass. Still going to be a heavy run offense for Georgia Southern like you've seen the history go through. But Brian Ellis coming in, as somebody that you talked about, Western Kentucky for the last three years, this past year, second in the nation and scoring at better than 40 points a game. And I think that's what you're starting to get to of. It's not necessarily the vanilla offense that everybody's running across college football, but it's using what you have at your disposal. Coach Heldon has talked about it since he got here, being able to use the stable of running backs he's got and then being able to recruit and use the transfer portal a little bit to get some more receivers in and have somebody that can run the offense.
0: And, Colin, you mentioned the running backs. Uh, Michigan State's Ephraim Reed comes in as the running backs coach. Uh, what can you tell us about Coach Reed?
4: done a really good job the last couple of days of getting to know everybody around here. He knows the Sunbelt Conference. He knows what this conference is about. Being Louisiana as his alma mater, he was there from 18 to 19. Spent the last couple of years at Michigan State as an offensive analyst. And When people across college football see the word offensive analyst, he's not an on field coach, kind of raises some eyebrows. But this is somebody that helped coach Kenneth Walker III, a Heisman candidate. Everybody knows what he's been able to do for the Spartans the last couple of years. And so it's somebody that's had a heavy influence on developing the talent that Michigan State has, and now he's coming into a running back's room for Georgia Southern that is already established. You've got guys like J.D. King with the possibility to come back next year, guys like Gerald Green, A.J. Brown, along with Jalen White, who you've seen what those guys have been able to do. And now you're getting somebody that has the pedigree to be able to not only recruit and bring more of those guys in, but also have the development side in the background
1: that he does. And, Colin, when you talk about when you, talk about the fact that you're bringing in two guys, that you, you look at what Michigan State running backs are doing, you look at what Western Kentucky receivers have done, it's got to show those guys that's already on campus that, look, we're not going to try to take away from you guys. We're showing that we're bringing in some of the best of the best on hands, what you do even if we are going toward more pass-heavy offense. Yeah, and it's really
4: – the entire staff that Coach Elton has brought in, Ryan Applin, the guy that's come in as the pass game coordinator of tight ends, inside receivers. Brian Ellis, the offensive, quarter, offensive coordinator that we've talked about. Ephraim Reed, at running back. keeping Kevin Whitley on as the cornerback and assistant head coach. And even some of the off-the-field staff, the support staff, you've got Ryan Smith coming over from Auburn as the GM of football. Robert Stenner coming over today as the director of strength and conditioning. These are all guys that have seen it and have done it at the highest level of college football. A lot of Auburn connections, a lot of USC connections from Coach Elton stops there. But you've seen guys like the Steiner, a guy for strength and conditioning, he's been at Notre Dame from 18 to 20. He's been at USC. Guys that know this area in the southeast but have seen it at the highest level, and that's kind of the reoccurring theme, being able to see it at an SEC school and being able to do it for a number of years there as well.
2: You look at obviously what you mentioned a minute ago Where you're going to more more scoring I mean look at uh, every conference championship game seemingly Offense is winning out, offense is winning out uh, Safe to say we might see some records Potentially set next year I know uh, our own Christian Gokal had a great stat uh, Western Kentucky's leading receiver this year Would have been the career leader In receptions and second All time in receiving yards based on This year alone uh, There at Western Kentucky Safe to say it might be a, a big change uh, In terms of production there
4: yeah, and I think you're going to see a good change. Uh, Coach Elton has talked about it. it's not going to be completely air-raid offense, not a how-mummy type offense, but you are going to see a lot more pass elements in it. And when you get somebody like a Cam Ransom, the freshman quarterback for Georgia Southern this past year, somebody that can throw the ball as well as he did, you saw it come towards the tail end of Georgia Southern out of necessity having to throw the ball more. But whether it's Cam Ransom, somebody new that comes into this offense for Georgia Southern, you're going to be able to see – a lot more diversity in this offense than you've seen from Georgia Southern, I think, the last couple of years, especially.
0: When you look at uh, Kevin Whitley, who you mentioned, just how valuable uh, of of a coach is he for Coach Helton to help the program move forward, but also maintain, obviously, familiarity and uh, have a guy on staff who knows the program, loves the program, and, of course, was an All-American player for the program as well.
4: Yeah, and I think – it just kind of gives a tip of the cap to Kevin Whitley and the job that he did after taking over as the interim head coach four weeks into the season this past year, guiding this program through a lot of really difficult situations, the back half of the season for Georgia Southern. And we talked about it on our podcast earlier this week. This isn't just a kind of token title for Coach Whitley as the assistant head coach. This is something that he's earned, And we've talked to Coach Helton a couple of times already of how much respect he has for Coach Whitley because Coach Helton has been the interim head coach a number of different times out at USC, so he knows what he had to go through and a difficult situation, but Coach Whitley handled it with class. I think he was the perfect guy to pilot this program through the back half of the season. And then you get the title of assistant head coach to not only be kind of a guiding force for the team, it just goes to show you how much Kevin Whitley is beloved here in Statesboro. States, and like you talked about, he's an All-American player, he's been a quarterback's coach, he's the interim head coach. And so he's seen it from a lot of different ways. And this is a guy that absolutely bleeds blue for Georgia Southern. He is one of the best that has come through Georgia Southern.
1: When you look at you know Louisiana, Coastal Carolina, App State, when you think about a team like Georgia Southern, they was at a disadvantage because they was recruiting a different type of player because of that type of offense. How much better does this make them more aware around recruiting-wise because they out there competing for the same guys now?
4: Yeah, and I think you're starting to see that with some of the uh, commitments that have come in the last few weeks and some of the offers that have been extended the last couple of weeks ever since Coach Helton took over with about a month left in the regular season. He was able to get a jump on some of those guys that if the announcement isn't made until after the season, you're probably that next week deciding who your next head, next head coach is going to be. And really and truly with all the turnover that the college football coaching carousel has turned into in the last week, week and a half, You don't know if a guy like Clay Helton would still be on the table. And so you get him into Statesboro, get him locked and loaded in Statesboro a month left into the regular season. He's out recruiting. He's out doing what he needs to do to build for 2022. And you get a jump to where you can use that December signing period to a huge advantage for Georgia Southern that some of these coaches that are taking over a new program may not have. You look at somebody like Louisiana's head coach and Billy Napier that goes to Florida he talked about it in the press conference that they're not going to be able to use the December signing day very much if at all. Because you don't have the guys in that you need and so you're not going to be signing somebody that you doesn't don't know if they fit or not into your system. Okay, and it's not just you're recruiting the guy to see if he can play football. It's a matter of does it a fit that what your program does and if it a fit on both sides to where are you what that player needs. And so Coach Ellen has been able to get a jump on that and be able to get a jump on it Schools like the Louisiana, the Coastal, the app that always everybody comes to Georgia to get because it's a hotbed for recruiting in college football. And so I think the fact that you've had Coach Helton for a month with boots on the ground, being able to go out and recruit, and then you get these coaches that we've talked about, get them in early in the game, it gives you so much of an advantage going forward.
2: Colin Lacey, Georgia Southern Sports Network, joining us here on 3 now. Colin, we've talked a lot about the offense, but I haven't seen a lot of defensive hires necessarily. What are some of the who are some of the names we've heard about or maybe you've heard about for uh, the defensive side of the football that uh, Clay Helton might be targeting? And at this stage with early signing periods starting in a week, uh, might those come after the early signing period?
4: Yeah, I would be surprised. You may not have the full staff until after the signing period, but I think you're going to see some of those, especially defensive side of the name, trickle in the next couple of days, being able to get some of those guys locked in and be have a week or so until that signing day of what your defense is going to look like. You've got Kevin Whitley, who is the first one and the only holdover from the previous staff. So from the word go, you had Coach Hilton recruiting on the offensive side, Coach Whitley recruiting on the defensive side, along with a couple of, Different staffers throughout the building, not necessarily on-field coaches, but for Kevin Whitley being the cornerbacks coach, he's kind of being able to decide all right, what does this defense look like under Coach Held's vision, and what are the guys that we need to go after, and so he's being able to do that now. But I think the defensive staff you're going to see really fall into place. Not again, not necessarily the whole staff, but you're going to see them fall into place in the next couple days.
2: Colin Lacey, Georgia Southern Sports Network, our guest here on 3 and Out. Colin, appreciate the time. Thanks so much.
4: Thanks, guys. I appreciate
2: it. Appreciate it. Colin Lacey joining us here on 3 and Out. And as you said, kind of interesting with uh, Clay Hilton. You've got the offensive side mostly taken care of there. You've got one coach on the defensive side. you got the early signing period is next week. Uh, I mean, if you hire a guy on Thursday, Friday, which we haven't seen any announcement yet, so let's just, let's just say best-case scenario, you hire a guy tomorrow. How much of a recruiting impact is that guy going to be able to have in about five days?
0: Yeah, tough to you know, tough to say. And and I do think you're going to see a number of programs around the country, especially programs that are going through coaching changes, maybe sign a majority of their class the traditional national signing day. And keep in mind, uh, you can you can be busy in the transfer portal as well. You know, well past December fifteenth. So I think you're going to see programs that are sort of starting over or, or, or resetting, be a little more uh, patient with, with, with adding personnel, with finalizing their rosters. But, yeah, having Coach Whitley on that defensive staff, just a, just a major advantage and a guy that did a really good job in an interim role, uh, was just uh, a, a great player for the program. I think that accelerates the the, the process moving forward uh, for Coach Hilton, having Coach Whitley on staff.
1: Yeah, and uh, Kevin, I think you can have a huge role. Make no mistake about these coaches. I mean, they might be recruiting in different areas, but recruiting is recruiting. You get a new job, they give you your geographic area. You get out there and get it. Your, your job is to make sure you are keeping up with who's doing what. I mean, when you think about what Georgia Southern, you know, has on defense, you're going to be able to go out there and uh, recruit some big time players. But that's why you listen. You get coach. You get you get hired for two reasons. One because of how well you coach the guys on campus, and the, and the, and the other half is how do you get those guys on campus. So I do think when you look at these guys. That's the name of the game now, Coach Heldon, Everybody was gonna say, "Where was he gonna land?" He's in Georgia Southern, so that means that you know that's everybody's up, up under him. Gonna have to make sure they're going out there and getting those guys to go out there and run these schemes. But I do agree, Kevin. With five, we're less than what less than a week away from national. I mean, early Sunday, you got to go out there and prove your worth. And if you are an assistant coach, recruiting is how you proving your worth. I Every day I go on Twitter now, I see coaches standing next to these young men saying, great home visit. It's going to be home visits. I mean, somebody said Billy Napier has done more home visits in five days, than Dan Mullen did <laughs> while in Florida. And I am not disagreeing with that. So, yes, go out there, get those guys. Because, you know, what makes coaching easier? When i got those guys ready to go out there and run them schemes, it makes me it makes those coaches look like geniuses out there.
2: We've got more to come here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live at You can also find us streaming on Facebook. Uh, no
3: sequence. Buckles on the jacket. It's elite. Nike Crossbody got a piece in it. got a. Date. What's up, guys? This is Ryan Clark, Super Bowl champ, now ESPN NFL analyst. And you're listening to Three and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin.
0: Right a slide. Basically, I'm saying either way we're about to slide.
2: Heisman Trophy coming up this weekend. A lot of folks think it's going to be Bryce Um, Young uh, taking on the hardware there from Alabama. But uh, we got a little exercise here of Heisman Trophy winners. Our own Heisman house, if you will. Uh, I'm going to give you two Heisman winners. You have to pick one to win you one game. All right. Not a schedule. I don't need him to go 12-0. I don't even go 13-0, 14-0, 15-0. I need them to win one game. So well,
0: that's good for Ben. I'm just wa- saying, if
2: no, I'm just if you if you
1: have to go undefeated, what? All, all, listen, listen. All I'm saying is, yes, an undefeated season is prestigious. But if you walk away, the last team standing. <laughs> that. There that's you that's go. That's another conversation so another does everybody bit.
2: understand the exercise? <laughs> I will yes. give you a yes. two yes. Heisman yes. Trophy winners. Yes. You must pick one of them to win you a game, not a season, not a run, a game. Charlie Ward or Danny Werfel. That's two great quarterbacks. Two really, really, obviously. Two uh, two of the
0: reasons I fell in love with the game, man. College football, go back to the mid-'90s, you think about Charlie Ward, Danny Werfel, Tommy Frazier in there. Saw both of those guys, Ward and Werfel, play in person. Uh, And this is, I will say, this is to
2: win a collegiate game, not what they did the NFL or anything like that. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, There's no wrong answer
0: here. I Because of the dual threat ability, I will lean Charlie Ward. I think maybe if you need to stretch a a play out, get a first down running, I think Charlie Ward will do that for you. Close, could go either way. I have no problem if you go Werfel but I will go Charlie
1: Ward. This, this is, the, this, is the, this is the fast pace for, versus the fun and gun. I think when you think about the fact that one one offense is still being ran right now, and when you look at what it was going way back when in the early 90s with Danny Warfel, what he lacked athletically, they made up with those guys around him. Give me Danny Warfel because he was doing the fun and gun when nobody was doing it, and I'm not saying Charlie Ward. Two guys ahead of their time, but I will go with D. Warfel.
2: I will say this. I would take both of these guys over probably the next seven or eight guys we name on this list. I'm just saying. That's why we go through this exercise. Both so, where are you teams? going? I'm going with Charlie Ward just for the little dynamic. And, again, now we see teams try to go fast. Florida State was kind of the precursor to that. And I always like dual threat. I mean, that's just me. Give me a guy that can chunk it. And if the break's down, they can still run a little bit. Danny Werfel, I don't know if he can beat me. Oh, he's the
1: 10 man. He, he can only go <laughs> back and throw for it. All
2: right. Matt Leinert or Marcus Mariota?
0: Woo. This is tough, too, because kind of different situations. Um if we're talking about the, you know, the kind of the best versus greatest, I think you think about the national championships with Leinart. But I also think there were moments where Matt Leinart could win games and he didn't have to be the focal point. And, again, we're splitting hairs between all-time greats. But I think Marcus Mariota elevating the status quo at Oregon and doing it with the incredible proficiency. I mean, some of his uh, dual-threat production numbers are all-time FBS records. I think I would go Marcus Mariota.
1: Yeah, I mean, BJ. Listen, I always thought one way, but then when I really think about what Marcus Mariota, he was trying to do something that we haven't seen in a long time. I mean, you know, I mean, I know you had, old, I think, Joey Harrington. I think he went to Oregon back in the day, but we look at what Marcus Mariota brought to the table, and he did it. When Jameis Winston was in college, because they played each other head to head, I mean, love me. the only Islander. quarterback to beat Jameis. Yes, Winston. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna, uh, gonna go with Marcus Mariota. like you said, Kevin, if it breaks down, even if it don't break down, catch me if you can. Still had a beautiful D ball. Give me Marcus Mariota. I'm going Matt Leinart. In, not Matt Leinert part of that run that Ben always talks about like they only played it. They daddy. only played in
2: that. Okay, well there you go. I'm, I'm gonna go Matt Leinert to get it done. Uh, Offer me over Marcus Mariota. And again, I think Charlie Ward and Danny Werfel over both of them. Uh, Robert Griffin III or Carson Palmer.
0: I got to go RG3. Uh, RG3, the proficiency. I love quarterbacks that complete a high percentage of the, of of their passes, that minimize turnovers, and that are also uh, dual threat. I think having that extra element is a big time advantage. Uh, RG3 for me.
1: Listen, a Trailblaze, Pioneers. They go out there and get it done. I saw Bryce Young say when he one reason why he wanted to play the quarterback position because he saw RG three doing it. Kimmy RG three.
2: Yeah, I think in this matchup you got to go RG three uh, <laughs> again. Just the, the dual nature of uh, what he was able to do uh, at that position. Sam Bradford or Troy Smith.
0: Now, Sam Bradford nor Troy Smith had the championship game results they wanted. Uh, But I think Sam Bradford pushing the ball downfield. I think – didn't he have like 50 touchdown passes one year? Uh, You know, Troy Smith got Ohio State, of course, to the title game, lost to your Gators. But for me, uh, Sam Bradford – and. Maybe his pro career didn't go as expected. Still was in the league a long time, but collegiately, you're going to be hard pressed to find numbers better than his.
1: Yeah, Sam Bradford was a guy that when you talk about just just playing the quarterback position, just being efficient at it, finding a way, you know, to just sit in that pocket and pick people apart. Beautiful deep ball, happy had all the intangibles. So yeah, I love Troy Smith. You know what? But I'm gonna have to go with Sam Bradford.
2: Yeah, it's Sam Bradford on uh, on this one. I think yeah, just if I had to win one game, I'm going to go. With uh, with Sam Bradford to uh, to get it done, I think a little bit better passing uh, there at uh, Oklahoma. Johnny football or Jameis Winston? Win me one game.
0: Well, and Jameis only lost one time, yep. but but Johnny Manziel went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, come on, uh, which nobody does. Um, I think I think Jameis Winston was more consistent throwing the ball downfield. And obviously, dual threat, Johnny Manziel, so I'm kind of going against what I normally go with, but I think there's... There's an element in any big game. We're talking about one game where you got to be proficient going down the field. Johnny Manziel absolutely could do that, but few are better at that than Jameis. Think about the late drive, the game-winning drive in the national championship game. So, love both, but I'll go Winston.
1: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Johnny Football because BJ he has that thing you can't coach—the ability to improvise. You talk about going to the Tuscaloosa. Not too many people in this, you know, uh, in the Nick Saban era can say they they ever beat Alabama. You talk about a guy in Johnny Football who he didn't lack any confidence. He could flat out. Had the whole world talking about Johnny football. Give me Johnny football because, like I said, breaks down get it done. Yes, give me that cheese.
2: Yeah, Johnny football all day uh, uh, for me just so he could do so much to put pressure on that defense. Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton? Man, uh, <laughs> both. Um, nope. I, I know. The exercise.
0: I feel terrible just talking it out because I'm delaying the inevitable. I have to pick one. They're both all-time greats. I'll go, I'll go Cam. I just think what he did in 2010 beyond compare.
1: Love Lamar, but listen, this is Cam. Cam Damn. yeah uh, again both can do great things
2: one weighs 240. i'm gonna go with that guy that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a good point <laughs> that's, a, that, that's that's what I'm gonna, that's what i'm gonna say uh at the end of the day baker mayfield or kyler murray and i
0: believe the numbers are pretty darn close yep. like like guys that of course played right after each other but i i think if you look at the resumes they're pretty close i think there's more of a dual threat ability to kyler murray's game i think the big play more a part of Kyler Murray's game as well. I'll take Kyler.
1: I'm going to take Kyler because when you send him behind a guy like Baker, you're to yourself, can can we take quarterback to the next level? And Kyler took it to the next level. Give me Kyler Murray.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with you guys there as well. Again, he took the, the absurd numbers of Baker Mayfield and did a little bit better than that. So, I'm going to go Kyler Murray. And finally, this is an interesting uh, dynamic. Joe Burrow or Timothy Tebow?
0: Okay. Now, this is going to feel wrong to say because you're thinking about Tebow. Tebow, one of the – all time. I mean, there are yeah, a lot of people about winning one game, right? But there are a lot of people who feel that Tebow is the greatest player ever in, in college football. Cam's raising his hand, and that's an argument that can be made. But I think when you look at what Joe Burrow did, setting a single season passer rating mark. 15 and 0, first ever 15 and 0 quarterback. Dude had 400 passing yards and seven touchdowns in the first half of a playoff game. I just think we haven't seen anything statistically like Joe Burrow. If I got one game to win, I know that he can get me 400, 450 yards. Now Tebow's going to do his thing. It's tough. I don't feel good about it, but I'm going Joe Burrow.
1: Wow. I mean Tim Tebow, <clears throat> he is the he is the goat. I mean we ain't taking that away. But BJ, the thing about it is, with talk about with a guy like Joe Burrow, we're going to talk about the uh, the guys he had around him. Joe Burrow had wheels too, but he improvised. He did. They, they didn't. They don't got call runs for him. And you tell a guy, hey man, you just won the SEC championship. I'll get fitted for my. I'll get fitted for the next one. I want. I want that natty. People. People kind of saw Tim Tebow coming. You didn't see Joe Burrow coming. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Joe Burrow. the press, huh? press. I'm
2: him. gonna go with uh, with Tebow again to win me one game. I mean, for the accolades that BJ, it's no, um, not refutable. Cannot refute that. I think we've seen it all throughout his time as a quarterback. Tim Tebow could have a B game, a C game, and still get you a dub. Tim Tebow walked into a uh, into a, a a media room, which you are d- encouraged to not do, and say, we're not losing again. And they didn't. Get me one game, I'll take Tim Tebow uh, at the end of the day. We've come back. we got more to come. We're going to give away a, uh, a copy of Uncommon Unfinished, the Ben Troop story, when we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Out of the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, and BJ Bennett. We got another copy of Uncommon and Unfinished that we're going to give away. Ben, a great Christmas present. Come I might add, right in time uh, for the uh, the Christmas and holiday season uh, there as well. So we're going to give away a copy. Uh, good for the Gator and non-Gator fan. It's part of it is about Florida, but it's about so much more. So a chance for uh, for someone to win a copy here uncommon and unfinished
1: Absolutely. I mean for those don't let the color don't let the color scheme uh you know mess with your mind on the front. I mean obviously I had I had a choice between two colors and it was orange and blue and I picked them both. So anyway, <laughs> no no no, but uncommon and unfinished the Ben troop story uh with BJ Bennett. Yes, the next the fourth caller. Four. To call, the fourth caller to call in will get an autograph uh an autograph copy of Uncommon and Unfinished. Uh, the Ben True Story with BJ Bennett, as Kevin Thomas uh, uh, so eloquently put, uh, my book, my book is—I uh, mean, uh, what? My book is uh, finished. It's finished. I am not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so listen, listen. But yeah, but uh, call nine one two three four two seven one eight four. That's nine one two three four two seven one eight four. The fourth caller will get a autograph copy of Uncommon and Unfinished, the Ben True Story with BJ Bennett. Look, we. we I mean, uh, they find off the shelves, and uh, I appreciate all the support. Uh, everybody's uh, purchased a book already. I mean, it's a great, it's a great story. I mean, I can't, I can't thank BJ enough for giving me the opportunity to, to be able to tell my story. But you know, like I said, my story is not unique uh, because it's mine. My, my story. Uh, my story is unique because I was willing to tell it. So yeah. So nine one two three four two seven one eight four. The fourth caller will get a copy, a signed copy of my new book, Uncommon and Unfinished: The True Story with BJ Bennett. And if you're lucky, BJ. We'll sign the book as well because when people say who's speaking, yeah, that is BJ Benning on the radio as well. But yes, yeah. So uh, fourth caller right now, going to get a copy of that
2: book. We'll give another one away next week ahead of the uh, the Christmas holidays. So look forward to that as well. We've still got another hour to go. We appreciate you riding along here with us on a Wednesday afternoon. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter. A lot to get to with uh, the transfer portal going nuts. We'll look at some. Very prominent names who are in the transfer portal. We'll have Troop Talk as Ben sits down with Miami legend Kennard Lang this week. uh, Coming up in about uh, 30 minutes here on the show. But uh, joining us right off the bat here in the final hour, host of the Locked On SEC podcast and Sports Talk 790 in Houston, Chris Gordy. joins us here on 3 and Out. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you?
5: Yo, what's going on, guys? Good to be here. Hey,
2: appreciate you coming on. Obviously, we now know the college football playoffs uh, Georgia and Michigan, Alabama, and Cincinnati. Your initial thoughts on the setup there by the college football playoff committee. Did, did they get it right? And are we going to see some competitive uh, semifinals?
5: Yeah, well, they lucked out. I mean, you know, they, with all the talk of the last couple of weeks and what they were doing and you got this team above that team, it, it played out perfectly. And I don't think many people have an issue outside of South Bend, Indiana with, with how the final rankings went down. So uh, they really lucked out because they really could have had a uh, a mutiny on their hands if Oklahoma State uh, extends that ball out six more inches, gets the score. Oklahoma State and I think Cincinnati's out, and everybody's sitting here going, "What? What does Cincinnati have to do to get in? They beat Notre Dame and all this kind of stuff." So yeah, it played out for them. And and look, we saw the numbers yesterday came out that the SEC championship game you know set records. It was the second highest rated game of the of the year across all networks, and then. It was the highest-rated championship game since 2018. So I got a feeling those folks at ESPN are really crossing their fingers and hoping Georgia takes care of business against Michigan and Alabama takes care of business against Cincinnati and gets a rematch because everybody and their brother tuned in to see Alabama-Georgia round one. I think they'd all be tuned in to see Alabama-Georgia round two.
0: And, Chris, Georgia did not look great uh, in Atlanta, but now you have Michigan. Is this a matchup that, on, on on paper, leans Georgia's way? How do you see this matchup in the Orange Bowl?
5: Well, I always defer to those guys in the desert, and, uh, you know, they seem to know something. And when I saw the line came out, initially I saw one sportsbook had Georgia as an eight point favorite, another one had a six point favorite. So, yeah, Georgia's about a Dutch town favorite. Um, you know, this is the best. Team that Jim Harbaugh has had since he's been at Michigan. It's finally starting to come together. To come together. It only took about eight years, but uh, yeah, it's finally got a competitive team. And, um, you know, it's look, this is a different Michigan team than we've seen in recent years. They run the ball really well. And McNamara's done a really good job at quarterback. That's been their big Achilles heel recent years. So Georgia's going to have a good fight on their hands. That said, I think Saturday was more Georgia not getting exposed, but kind of letting their guard down a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, with this Georgia defense has been so dominant all year, they got manhandled by the Alabama offensive line. Uh, even when they blitzed, Alabama was able to pick it up. Young was able to get the ball out of his hands quickly. So I, I thought Saturday was more a case of Georgia didn't bring their A game because Alabama all season long, they've had their warts. We saw them, you know, get sacked seven times against Auburn and need a miracle final drive to send it to overtime. I saw them, get held to six total rushing yards against lsu in a game that they probably should have lost you know they they survived the scare at florida on the swamp earlier in the year when florida was running it down their throat so alabama's had their warts throughout the year i thought saturday they played their best complaint their best game the thing is just because alabama won on saturday that doesn't that doesn't cure all your problems right like that doesn't mean oh well alabama's just going to run the table now they're going to win the title no you you They can absolutely resort back to the Alabama team we saw most of this season, which was a largely inconsistent team. So, yeah, I would say we're most likely going to get a rematch between Georgia and Alabama. and Look, you know how hard it is to beat a team twice in the same season. So we'll see what happens when we get there. But I like Georgia to beat Michigan. And I like Alabama to beat Cincinnati. But everybody needs to slow down on this Alabama's going to route Cincinnati talk because uh, this is a really good Cincinnati team that, just 11 months ago, I watched them go toe-to-toe with Georgia in the Peach Bowl, and Georgia ended up winning by a field goal, and you know that was a team that supposedly Georgia was way more talented than Cincinnati. So Alabama better not mess around. Or they'll find themselves in a fight with this.
1: Yeah, even sticking with that, Chris, when you think about the Cincinnati team, obviously the people are going to look past them – you know, partly because of who they are, and the other other half because of who they're playing. But when you look at the recipe for beating for beating uh, Alabama, you got to be able to try to establish the run. You got to have a quarterback that can utilize his legs to get out of trouble, and you got to have a secondary that can match up with their receivers. And when you look at Kobe Bryant, those guys on defense, they got two bookend quarterbacks that don't give up a lot in the air, especially on the outside. I know, I know, you know, Alabama's going to be picked to win, but how scary could this game potentially get if you know uh, Cincinnati can make it a four-quarter game? Well, when's the last time
5: Alabama went into a game where they, they didn't have the edge in corner play? Like, the other team has better corners than Alabama does. Uh, uh, it's pretty crazy. But, um, no, look, Bryce Young has been so good all year. He has been magical. Him and then Will Anderson on the defense. Both those guys. You take either of those guys off this team, this Alabama team, this is a three-loss Alabama team. I mean, they, they those two guys have meant that much to this team. So, you know, Bryce Young's got to bring it, and obviously Will Anderson needs to be that disruptor, that, that edge uh, rusher that you know, can help lapse the backfield, set the edge, shut down the run, get back, you know, get in the backfield, hit the opposing quarterback and all that. But, uh, no, this is a Cincinnati team that I feel like is going to come into this game with nothing to lose. They're going to be coming in and hear all the, the hubbub. Yeah, it's Alabama, reigning national champ, Nick Saban. We're two touchdown underdogs. They're going to hear all that, and Luke Fickle's going to go, look, we got nothing to lose. Everybody's picking us to lose this. We don't have a chance, guys. I would think they leave it all out on the field. Trick plays, fake punts, whatever it takes to keep the ball in their offense's hands, to keep the ball away from Bryce Young. I think they're going to do it. So, yeah, I'm with you, Ben. I'm If I'm Cincinnati, I leave it all out there and say, you know, look, nobody believes in us. Let's go out there and do what we can do.
3: Chris
2: Gordy, the Locked on SEC podcast, joining us. Uh, Will Anderson, uh, speaking of him, not a Heisman finalist. Now, I, I think everybody expects Bryce Young is going to uh, to win that thing, but uh, a lot of talk about Anderson not getting the invite, Hutchinson getting the invite, and Anderson's got way better numbers. What kind of do you make of uh, of that situation?
5: Yeah, it's it's silly. I mean, I think, I think the Heisman trust at the end of the day didn't want to have two guys from the same school, which is kind of crazy because we've seen it happen before. I mean, we saw... Um, you know, even the USC days, Matt liner and Reggie Bush both went to the Heisman ceremony. I mean, it's it's not uncommon to have two guys from the same school. So, um, you know, I think that's ultimately what they wanted to do. But go look at the numbers; it's it's crazy. And and to no disrespect to Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, he's had a great year for Michigan, but he's also got a beast on the other side of his line in a jobo who opened up a lot of like he never got double teamed because. He's got a stud on the other side of him. With Will Anderson? Will Anderson fought through double teams all year. You know, teams game plan around him, and he still got his. And when you look at the numbers, I mean, it's it's not close on tackles. Will Anderson's got way more tackles, and then of course, uh, you know, the sack totals. Will Will Anderson leads the country in sacks. So I thought it was a little bit of a crime. I mean, I, I thought it, you know, this is that one year where it's kind of unique. Where I thought both Will Anderson and Bryce Young both should have uh, both should have gotten invites, but. Ultimately, you know, I think a lot of people said, well, Bryce Young's going to get the contingent of Bama votes anyway. and He's the favorite to win it, so uh, let's just let Bryce go and he'll be the Heisman Trophy winner. But yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a joke when you look at the numbers and, and you look at it and wonder why Will Harrison wasn't at least invited.
0: Chris, LSU starting quarterback Max Johnson enters the transfer portal. Uh, what type of player is he and uh, where do you think he might be a good fit?
5: So the early returns, uh, at least from people I've talked to, was that there was certainly a possibility Florida State on the table just because of their dad's legacy, Brad Johnson, played there. But here's the unique situation. Here's why Max entered the transfer portal yesterday, because a lot of people were saying, well, why wouldn't he just wait until the bowl game, go play the bowl game, and then enter the transfer portal? Um, His brother, Jake, or rather Jack, no, Jake, I, I keep mixing up, Jake Johnson, not Jack Johnson, the music guy, Jake Johnson is the number one tight end recruit in the country. He was set to sign with LSU next week. He decommitted last night at the exact same time that Max Johnson entered the transfer portal. So basically what that they're telling everybody is we are a package deal. Whoever wants to sign my brother as the number one tight end in the country will get me, Max Johnson, as a quarterback. So they are, I'm sure they're getting a lot of phone calls, a lot of text messages and a lot of visits from teams across the country because those are two very good players that you would like to have. I just wonder what the conversation was with Brian Kelly, and I think it went something like this. I think Brian Kelly said, look, Max, you know, we're, it's going to be an open competition next year. Nothing is guaranteed. I think Max Johnson kind of maybe took offense to that, saying, look, I've played my butt off the last handful of games last year. You know, Miles Brennan gets hurt in the preseason. I established myself as the guy this whole season. I thought I played well, 24 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Whatever the conversation was with Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly said, look, I'm new here. I don't, I'm not committing to anybody. It's an open competition everywhere, so that's why I think ultimately he entered the portal. But he's a good player. I mean, I think he can, he can go somewhere and win. He's not going to be Joe Burrow-esque or anything like that level, but he's a gamer, man. He's a guy who takes hits, got a little bit of running ability. The, the problem was he was inconsistent at times with LSU this year. Go back and watch the Bama film. Oh, man. He makes one or two of those open throws to receivers. LSU beats Alabama this year. He just missed it. So uh wherever he goes, I hope he gets with somebody who can coach him up and is a good quarterback guru. Because I think Max Johnson can take his game to the next level. But wherever he goes, it sounds like it's going to be a package deal with his brother, the tight end.
1: And Chris, I mean, even sticking with Brian Kelly, I mean, when you think about a guy who, you know, you obviously it's been uh, it's been well documented how he left uh, Notre Dame to be the next head coach of LSU. I mean, it's going around him his his his. I don't know if I call it a Creole accent. I mean, I, I've been to Houston. I've trained in New Orleans. I mean, how do you rate Brian Kelly's accent? And when he was talk when he was talking to the to the to the you know when he was talking you know uh, to the Johnston brothers. I mean, when you think about those guys, I mean, did they get the Brian Kelly that's from Massachusetts, or did they get the Brian Kelly that now lives in New Orleans? Look, let me just tell
5: you guys, I'm an LSU grad, but I'm I, I call it like I see it. I'm, I'm fair. I criticize when I need to criticize, but I'll tell you this. For those people in South Louisiana right now, with Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame to come to LSU, a guy who wins double-digit games just about every year, they don't give a damn what he sounds like. He can talk in in Creole. He can talk in Spanish. He can talk in whatever uh, accent, language, whatever he wants. All he's got to do is win there. So I know he got criticized by some people around the country. The more and more I went back and watched it, I think it was different because he was speaking in an auditorium on a speaker to the, uh, the folks at the P. Maravich Assembly Center, and you know, you're know, you talking to 1,500, 2,000 people, whatever, on a microphone. I think uh, your, your voice maybe gets a little bit amplified and you talk a little bit different. But, yeah, he can speak in any accent he wants as long as he wins there. But, uh, yeah, it's, it was funny. It made the rounds. And uh, I'll tell you this, though, that you know, I've been in New York for a week and, and just hanging around in New York a week, suddenly I start to talk like this. You guys know where the subway is? I think Brian <laughs> Kelly hanging around with the Cajuns for a full 24-hour period. Sir started to run off, rub off on him, and he said, hey, where's my family? Where did we go? <laughs> Chris Gordy,
2: Locked on the SEC Podcast, joining us. Uh, Chris, finally, you look at uh, just the earlier bump in the coaching carousel, the transfer portal, uh, is this something we're going to just continue to see more of with that early signing period where it used to be if you make it to Thanksgiving, then you change coaches. Now its you may not make it to November, and guys are jumping out for a number of reasons. I just don't like my playing time. I'm just done. I, how do you keep a roster intact year to year anymore? Uh, seemingly with the transfer portal and just a continuous record number of guys seemingly by the hour jumping in that thing.
5: Well, they're going to have to rein it back. I mean, I I hate to say it, but you're going to have to get back to the rule of, you know, if you transfer, you sit out a year. I know a lot of people don't think it's fair, but you know, look, we saw guys can find, you know, if you have a legitimate reason why you want to leave, you want to be closer to home. You had a death in the family. Uh, You know, Justin Fields was able to leave Georgia and go to Ohio state and not sit out. I mean, If you have a legitimate enough reason, I think the NCAA can find a way to to give you the waiver. But you just can't have it like it is now. It can't be the wild, wild west where, oh, man, this guy jumped me on the depth chart, so I'm jumping into the transfer portal. And I'm all for player uh, empowerment and players being able to choose where they want to go. But I also believe a little bit in Look, you you choose a school because you chose the school. You don't choose the school because of the head coach. I think Eric Gilbert, you know, was an example of that. Oh, LSU won the championship, so let me go commit to them. No, man, go choose LSU because you like the facilities, you like Death Valley, you like the fans, the Baton Rouge. Like you need to, we need to get back to having kids pick schools and not coaches and systems. And I know it's hard to say, especially with some of these quarterbacks who you know want to go play for a certain coach because they like their style of offense and all that. But back in the day, I know Ben Troop was sold on the Steve Spurriers and all that. But I guarantee you, he loved the swamp when he saw that or, that orange and blue, and said, "I want to go play there." So uh, we just got to get back to some of these kids being sold and and you know wanting to go play for the school rather than who's there, what the competition looks like.
2: Chris Gordy, Locked On SCC podcast, joining us here on three now. Chris, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Definitely, guys. Anytime. Appreciate it, and he uh, joins us here on the uh, on three and outers again. We talked a lot of college football with him, and Ben was Florida Gator in all kinds of weather. Right, it doesn't matter.
1: Uh, no, I would have, I, I would have <laughs> loved to be one. Of, but uh, but Chris got to understand this. I mean, the thing that the thing that got me at Florida is the thing that's a selling point now at these schools. The face of the school is the coach. I mean, coaches are synonymous with these schools. Georgia is Georgia, but what Kirby, with Kirby is doing what he's doing. It makes him more attractive. And, and the whole thing about it is we associate all kinds of things with faces. I mean, if I say the Lakers, you're going to say LeBron. And, and Kobe was there in Shaq. Was, that's just how we do. And the thing is, people say, well, uh, you know, commit to a scheme. Commit to a, you know, commit to a scheme, I'm not a coach. Well, the scheme is what I'm going to play for. I'm, I want to be in the scheme at the school, but the coach is the one sitting in my living room. So for those who are thinking, that, hey, man, commit to a school. <laughs> Coaches ain't committing to schools. Coaches committing to that money. Because if the money goes up, the coach leaves. So you're telling me to do something you ain't well, asking the coach to do. I agree. I mean, I agree. I, I think
2: you look at it, and he said, hey, maybe there's a way. i rain it back. I, I don't know that there's a way you can uh, at this point. I think, look, once you open the door and said, hey, you can free transfer, it's going to happen. Guys are going to use it, right? I mean, I, I think we've seen guys who are good players at school say, you know what, nope, I'm out. I mean, it's kind of seemingly with no reason to transfer, say nope, I'm just going to change. And to me, I don't know how uh, you put that genie back in the bottle in in any way, shape, or form in in college football.
0: No, I think this is something that's a new reality. And players, Then we were talking about this earlier. What, uh, a generation ago, you had to make a list of schools. Your coaches had to approve it. And that that wasn't fair that 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 was restrictive and that was a set of circumstances that applied specifically to student athletes and not anybody else you know i think there are there 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 are pluses there are minuses to the transfer portal but at the end of the day i think it makes sense for the for these student athletes to have autonomy over their future
5: uh,
1: go ahead Ben. no i was just going to say kevin is something you said you know what the transfer portal is that's reality see a lot of times we jump into the transfer portal because i was something i don't mean i is and i was a, a big time recruit now I got to deal with the current recruiting classes and hope that I can get to one of these schools because we see about the guys like the Jermaine Johnsons of the world that make it that, that leave Georgia go to Florida in ACC defense player. That is not the barometer. That is the exception. How many guys go into the portal never to be seen from, heard from again? I man It's your, it's your, it's your choice. But just know, once you leave your school, you might not have another school, uh, you know, to call home.
2: And we'll see how it goes. But as, as BJ said earlier today. Seems like by the hour you just hit refresh on your phone and there's a couple more guys said nope I'm out going somewhere else uh, to uh, continue playing uh, college football. We've got much more to come here on Three and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Speaking of that transfer portal, a lot of big big time names in that portal. Where might they land? We'll get to that next year on Three and Out. But we are fired up off the air on a Wednesday. Talking about transfer portals. I, mean, I didn't even see Ben. Ben walked out. Yeah, Ben was like, "Enough about the
1: transfer." You on a portals. private phone call? No. Were you on a personal phone call? No. No, so no, So is it is so private? No, personal. I'm just no. asking.
2: No. Ben just didn't want to talk about the transfer. No, portals. no, no. I
1: but no. I, I always want to talk about the transfer portal. But I, but Kevin said, I mean, Kevin was talking about uh, you know, you want security, you want freedom, you got to pick. BJ wants to make sure that these coaches are under the same scrutiny that the players are. You're going to, have to find a healthy, you're going to have to find a healthy medium because it's funny that you are putting more scrutiny on 18- to 24-year-olds than you're putting on grown men who were just up there talking about commitment and standards sure. and what we're trying to build here two years later. Gone, done, moved on, and they have to pay me to leave. I guess you get paid if you get fired, not if you resign, so That's they make right. sure they get fired.
2: Go ahead and fire me real quick. Uh, we got uh, a couple of things I want to get to here with the transfer portal because there are a lot of big names in the transfer portal. Where do you see these guys actually landing? Because as Ben said, a lot of guys go in the transfer portal. Some of them never come out. But there are guys that know I go in the transfer portal. I, I, can, I can go a lot of places. I, I have options. People will be uh, ringing my phone uh, to try to get me. I won't have to be calling coaches Say, hey, remember, I'm in the transfer portal. What about Miles Brennan, uh, LSU? Where do you think he ends up at the end of the day?
0: Yeah, and I mean who knows where they get i am I I'm I'm just kinda of thinking off the top of my head about fits that could make sense. And one of the one of the schools that jumps off the page at me when I just look across the landscape of college football is, is Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech you got a new coach coming in. With, with with Brent Pry, you're talking about probably resetting some things offensively. I think they've had a couple of quarterbacks transfer, including Hendon Hooker last year. You probably want a veteran quarterback if you're a new coach coming in. And uh, if you can get a guy that started in the SEC, I believe will be a fifth-year senior, he can help bring along some other guys. Uh, I,
1: I think it might be interesting to see Miles Brennan at, a, at an ACC school like Virginia Tech. I mean, BJ, don't – I mean uh... – I'll, I'll stay in A.T. I'll give you two more schools. What about Virginia? What about Duke? I think when you talk about – North Carolina. North Carolina. Even, yeah. when, you talk, when you talk about coaches that want to have a guy that, that you know, and go out there and sling it around and you know he has one year left to go out there and prove It's, it's one thing knowing that all I got is one year left. So get, so I'll take Virginia, Virginia Tech, Duke, You know, even North Carolina because you want to – the day and age, uh, Kevin, of these wide open offenses, you want to have a guy that can get these uh, playmakers the ball. Yeah. I, and, again, I think it's
2: about fit. With some of these guys. Zach Evans, another one. TCU, a five star recruit that went to uh the Horn Frogs there. He is in the transfer portal. Where's he I mean again? five-star running backs can probably fit anywhere they want to, but where's the kind of you think best fit for him?
0: And I think there are some reports that maybe Tennessee might be one of the, uh, you know, potential landing spots. And you're thinking about a program that you already have your go-to quarterback, you know, Hendon Hooker is going to be the guy, but if you could add that balance and have kind of that 50, 50 uh, run pass option, I think, I think Zach Evans would give you that. He's a guy that I believe Tennessee was involved with his recruit uh, uh, recruitment coming out of high school. So some reports there, I think that would make sense.
1: I mean, I, I mean, uh, you know, what about, what about a Kentucky team? You know you know Kentucky's going to run the football. You know they're going to make a value-addver to run the football. And like you said, Kevin, when you got five stars next to your name, you're a running back. Listen, Coach, all I need is, what, 15, 15 touches a game? What can he do with 15 touches a game, especially when he's playing motivated football? Give me Kentucky.
2: And speaking of that, Jameer Gibbs, Georgia Tech, another guy, uh, top running back, could go probably anywhere he wants to go. Where's the best fit for him? From Dalton, kind of north Georgia? Uh, some people have said Tennessee is not that far from uh, from Dalton. if you want to stay close to home, Where would be a fit for him? Well, you mentioned that when
0: you're a guy like 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 Gibbs, I mean, anywhere you go, I think you can be a an offensive focal point right away. I mean, I'm thinking of uh, maybe a Florida. I mean, Florida's had some really good running backs, but if you get Gibbs in there, could he be kind of that every down back for you and maybe give you the
2: you know the special team's ability, yeah. the the dual threat ability receiving? And I I think for him, you're talking about one season. I mean, he he was listed as a freshman because he got the extra year, so technically... Wherever he goes, he could play for three more years, but I think you're really for him three years out of high school. Talking one, one more, one more season, and you look at Billy Napier when he was at Louisiana. They ran the heck
0: out of the football. I mean, you're thinking about guys like Trey Ragus and guys that have gone on to the National Football League. So I don't know. I mean, I think he's going to have his his pick of schools, but I think somewhere like Florida would make sense.
1: Billy Napier don't make this hard. Come on, man. I mean, listen, go go all in on this guy because we all know when it comes to new coaches outside of the, outside of the new coaching schemes. I mean, the new you know. Uh, a new regime, you want to be able to show that you can go out there and get a guy like a Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he was unhappy because he wasn't getting the touches. I, don't, I think it has less to do with the team he was on and more to do with the fact he wasn't getting utilized. I do agree. Uh, you know, uh, BJ, we talk about, I mean, we are the transfer portal king when you talk about the uh, running backs coming in, guys from Clemson, guys from – You know, uh, Miami, Lindor and those guys. You get a guy like Jameer Gibbs in you tell him, we're going to run the football, I think he'll be a very happy customer because he's at a premier school in a big-time conference and he gets to go out there and showcase his talent.
2: All right, a lot of quarterbacks in there as well. Quinn Ewers, uh, Ohio State. People go, Quinn Ewers, he was the – I don't know how to phrase it. He would have been the number one quarterback coming out this year but got out of high school a year early so he could sign an NIL deal to not play at Ohio State and now he's in the transfer portal. I think the young yes. man is from Texas. Uh, yes, so. and for a, for a long period
0: of time, he was committed to Texas during the recruiting process, and that's obviously been a team that's been talked about. I think one of the front runners listed uh, publicly is Texas. I think Texas Tech has been in there as well. And look, if you go to Texas, I know he he probably looked around, looked at the future at Ohio State, and thought. Yeah, C.J. Stroud's a Heisman finalist. Yeah. He's a redshirt freshman. Yeah. He's going to be here for a while. You go to Texas, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a recruiting expert, but isn't isn't Arch Manning considered considering y- Texas yes. as one of his yes. leading schools? I mean, you go to Texas Tech, they have a great tradition of throwing the football. You think about uh, uh, Graham Harrell and B.J. Simmons and Pat Mahomes and all the, I mean, I think you could go out there and kind of continue that tradition. So may end up going back to Texas. That's where he was committed to, but I think it'd make a lot of
1: sense to go to a place like Tech. Yeah, but I think what happens, is there's now, uh, you know, BJ, the one thing he's shown is he's a, he's a brand that wants to be attached to a bigger brand. I don't know if Texas Tech does that for him. Yes, he gets to get on the field, but no one, no one really cares about what goes on at Texas Tech. Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, obviously didn't have the year he wanted his first year. But, you know, when you give Sarkeesian the quarterback and, they, and they're and they going to be able to get guys in there, you know, uh, I mean, uh, I think when you look at the running game, he got a chance to go in his home state, the biggest brand in the state. Watch yeah. out for them longhorns to be able to snatch him
2: I, up. I think you're right, Ben. You leave high school early so you can sign an NIL deal? You're not going to Texas Tech. I I, mean, I just I just cannot see that happening. Dylan Gabriel, Central Florida. He was injured most of the year there for Central Florida. He is in the transfer portal. Uh, might say a Florida State be interested in getting another Central Florida transfer.
0: Well, it looks like uh, a lot of reports out there that maybe, maybe Ole Miss is where uh, Dylan Gabriel is going. And you think you have Lane Kiffin now. Ole Miss just lost their offensive coordinator, Jeff Lebby, to Oklahoma. But they're still going to spread you out. They're still going to throw the football. That's what Lane Kiffin does. And, of course, Matt Corral going to the NFL draft. Uh, that, that seems to be a report that's out there. And I think that that that's one that logically you could understand. Okay, you're at Central Florida. You were fantastic. You have an opportunity at an SEC school to step in, play for a quarterback guru right away.
1: That's a no-brainer, BJ. I mean, listen, 2020 Dylan Gabriel, I mean, he, he went out there, was able to go out there and get it done, but they didn't have the year he wanted to in 2021. But the thing is, once again, brands. You know, and it's, it's about schemes. You're not going to get a better scheme for his skill set than, than, uh, than Ole Miss. So, I can see Ole Miss jumping in. But, once again, he's going to be a guy, do a threat, that can that can put it in the air. I think uh I think Ole Miss is going to suit him the best. SEC, big-time coach Lane Kiffin, you know, it should work. Because, make no mistake about it, Lane Kiffin knew about this kid, you know, where he was at, where he was at FAU.
2: Yeah, Max Johnson, we just kind of talked about that last segment. Uh, son of Brad Johnson, who played at Florida State. Might that be it? And how much of it could be tied to where his brother goes? But – uh, might that be a new landing spot for that lSU quarterback potentially and you're talking about a guy that
0: had 24 touchdowns seven picks uh 3,000 yards i think in the SEC this year so did a really good job i think because where his father played quarterback i think that's the school that immediately comes to mind fSU
1: i think he has to i think at this point i mean i think it makes it uh i think it makes it very dynamic when you get him and his brother but look most guys want to check one most guys want to uh, follow to the uh you know, fall behind they, uh, they, their father, fall into their father's, you know, father's footsteps. But I will say this: He goes to Florida State, BJ. I know they got a young man there right now, Jordan Travis. It's life is not going to be easy for him to just get to start a job. But as we all know, you want a guy that can push the ball down the field. Mac Johnson is built for the moment. Yeah,
2: Spencer Rattler, another quarterback, Oklahoma. Does he follow Lincoln Riley, who essentially benched him this season when things went uh, a little off track? I think I think that
0: would surprise me. But there are some rumors of him going to LA, UCLA. Uh, some reports online, and isn't that what Troy Aitman did? Then he started out at Oklahoma, yeah. To go to UCLA. Uh, so maybe not. No, you're saying no. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, 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 trying I'm, I'm thinking maybe I got him confused. That's with, what my uh, brain's with, with a John Elway or something I may like be that. wrong, but Cam, you look it up. I think I think Troy Aikman started out at Oklahoma, transferred to UCLA. We'll see if I'm could be Maybe totally I'm confused. Off base. John Elway was but, at Stanford, but I've seen some reports being UCLA.
1: Spencer Rowley is uh, from Pac-12 country. I think he's from I think he's from uh, you know Arizona. He will be going to either Arizona State or UCLA. I think kind of you know kind of different than most. He's kind of want to prove that he can go out there and get it done at a big time school. But kind of want to uh, it's more reputation with him now, uh, Kevin and BJ, because don't didn't have the best reputation with his teammates. But yes, I think Chip Kelly might get a big one in – uh. Mr.
2: And quickly, Eli Ricks, LSU. Uh, a lot of talk about where he could go, big time, uh, time corner. Where's the best fit for I Eli mean,
0: Ricks? Could the dogs be involved here? You went out and got Darion Kendrick. He's been great for you. You assume Kendrick's going to the National Football League. I know Alabama's been rumored as well, but I think maybe Georgia might be a spot.
1: If Alabama, Georgia calling your phone. Everybody else gonna have to be, you know, they're gonna have to wait around until he says yes to one of them. He will not get to his third option. I see him being listen either being a crimson or being a red and black.
2: That's a quick look at some big names there in the transfer portal and where they might be the best fit. And, again, those are some of the big names. A lot of guys filling up that transfer portal looking for places to play in 2022. We'll come back. We'll have Troop Talk. Ben sits down with Miami legend Kadard Lang here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.